podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome to the 369th edition of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. I'm your host Steve Wellings and joining me on the call so far is just me and Andy waiting for rapping Rob Kelly to join us. We were giving him an extra couple of minutes and then StreamYard started saying, come on lads, get a move on, you need to start pressing record and get on with this shit. So here we are, episode 369. You might have noticed, unless you're in a complete stupor with this corona business, it is Monday night and not Sunday evening. We did try to go live last night. Unfortunately, things did not quite work out. We were speaking to Shinny Bayar, managed to get an interview with him, which has gone up on the YouTube channel in its best possible format. I was having um, computer issues, unfortunately, uh, but hopefully they're all sorted out now. I'm on the desktop tonight, and you can all hear me okay. Um, Andy's with us anyway. Let's let's get Andy in and see how he's getting on. Um, are you still in one piece, Andy, at the moment? Yeah, we're doing fine, mate. Hopefully, all's, all's good over there. Um, in the garden today, doing a bit of pressure hose, uh, washing, doing things and stuff like that. I actually found I've actually got some cast iron downpipes and stuff, and I need to get them painted. And I've looked at them, I've got like three big, massive bastards there. I'm like, saying to myself, I need to rub these motherfuckers down, get all the rust off it, all the fl- uh, flicky paint and stuff. I'm saying to myself, this is going to be a, a fucking week's job minimum. So I decided to sack it off, and I got the pressure washer out, clean my deck, and doing and stuff, and I just took it to the to- the downpipes, and guess what happened? The paint started coming off us, so I spent all day just blasting the fucking paint off my downpipes by a pressure washer. So, uh, so at the end, I sat out in the sun with a couple of, couple of cold cans and stuff, and yeah, we're uh, doing our best stuff, but um, hopefully in three weeks' time, we can get back to some sort of normality in that. Um, obviously, but don't like talk about the coronavirus and shit, but um, I just see that Nicola Sturgeon, I know we're not going to talk politics and stuff, I'm not a big fan of the SNP and shit, but they're saying, like, sports fans, football fans, stuff like that, they shouldn't be getting their hopes up um, about returning to any stadia anytime soon. Mm. So, you know, where the fuck are we going to be at here, man? I mean, you know, we're talking June. Some people are talking June or trying to kind of push for June to get things back open again. Some people are saying August. UEFA is still saying that the football season's not finishing anytime soon and stuff. But... They've got the uh, the Scottish chief medical officer basically saying is that he would he would be against live sports on TV in front of empty crowds or empty arenas because it would then uh, it would probably entice people who are who kind of go to these these fights or games and stuff to basically congregate in people's houses or public places and watch it on the widescreen TVs and stuff. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, you know, you're going to start using that to kind of, so we can I mean, we, we need live fights, don't we? We're, we're, we really need some live fight. We need some live sport, at least. Some live tiddlywinks. I don't know, something. But, um, yeah, it's, um, if you've got kids at this time, I don't, yeah, I don't envy tough. you. I don't <laughs> envy you, like, I really don't envy you. And I feel sorry for them, as I said last week in that, because they're obviously bored and that, but, Fucking hell, man! They test they, they test a long line of patients, no end. Yeah, luckily where we are, it's out in the countryside, and there's plenty of fields and that for the kids to run around with. But I mean, things are even getting tough out here. Stir crazy. They're fighting each other all the time. They got the box, boxing gloves out earlier, trying to wrestle with one another. 
it is absolutely bonkers. But I'm the same as you, Andy. They've got me doing jobs and stuff. I've had I've been spraying down the bathroom, all the the shit off the walls, and scraping <laughs> it, getting ready to do a bit of painting this week. And it just just feels weird at the moment. That's the main thing. No sport. You're not allowed to go out and all that. Or if you do go out. You know, you've got to stand so many distance apart with yeah. each other. I've been trying to go to Tesco's at six o'clock in the morning oh. to try and avoid all that. <laughs> I'll tell you something. I'll give you two funny stories. Like, well, first one was this morning. I went to work this morning, right? And the cops had to fucking dodge him. So Scotland's finest is actually harassing essential workers and people going for the food shopping and then giving the big I am interrogation involves also then checking insurance license, registration, and your fucking tyres for good measure. Surprised they didn't check your aisle on water while they're at it, you know. But I was in a, I was in Sainsbury's last week, actually. And obviously, you, you get you, you know you get this, this two-metre distance between the queues and that, so you get held outside for a couple of minutes while the queue in front gets gets kind of like denials and stuff. And I don't know if she was Chinese or if she was, you know, she was for Asia anyway, right? And she had the fucking face mask on. No idea about social distancing. <laughs> Every everywhere I went, she was fucking there, literally like almost up my ass, and I'm saying to myself, "This this this bitch is doing my nothing, and I'm going to lose fucking control." And I'm like, "I'm trying, I'm trying to follow the fucking rules and the advice we've been given, right?" So I walked down the aisle, aisle again, get some carrots, and she's fucking back over my shoulder. I says, "Bitch, you're gonna fucking," <laughs> and I fucking went down the next aisle. I'm looking for some peppers and stuff like that, and there she's there again. And I just turned back and I says. What the fuck are you doing? Stand back. Wait your fucking turn. And she's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And she fucks off. on her, did you, Andy? No, I did a fuck. She fucks off and goes down the fucking meat aisle. I'm saying to myself, bitch, I thought you were looking for fucking vegetables two seconds ago. No, you're going to be looking for fucking meat. But I, she was up my ass, man, for about two minutes. I'm saying to myself, oh, this isn't happening. And they go, about my fucking face mask goes like it's some sort of kind of false positive, you know? Like, fuck off. Trading leather boxing says, was it the guru's missus? <laughs> <laughs> no, I've noticed her, man. She's, she's with child and that, so... Um, oh, hey, I'll give you a funny story about Tommy, actually, was all we were at it, right? So Tommy, Tommy's missus uh, messaged him last night on FaceTime or Facebook Live or whatever it was and stuff like that, saying um, she's a wee bit kind of frightened, had a nightmare about ghosts and stuff, and she's scared of ghosts. So Tommy, she asked Tommy to actually kind of like stay awake with her and kind of watch her go back to sleep and stuff. Tommy's like, no problem, no problem at all, hen. You go back to sleep. So she's, he takes a screenshot of her kind of with the, the eyes closed and getting really heavily sleepy stuff like that, like 10 minutes later and he shouts like, GHOST! <laughs> she's fucking woken up. This is a woman, remember, who's six months fucking pregnant. And he shouts fucking ghost. And she shakes her pants, man. She's fucking raging. Holy mistakes. Fuck, only Tommy could pull that shit off. Fucking Indeed. some man. We did reach out to the guru to try and get him on tonight. He hasn't responded as yet, but who knows? He might turn up back with us. So just do a bit of housekeeping then, everybody. As you can notice, we are back on YouTube live. Uh, it's supposed to be Sundays from 8 o'clock. It's Mondays at the moment. Uh, the Patreon RSS feed updates shortly after the show concludes, as always. And you can catch us during the week. Welcome to everybody listening during the week on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. And shout out to everybody in the chat as well. Hope you all stay in, what is it, two metres apart from each other? Uh, we don't want any accidents happening here on our watch. See Tommy Allen for claims if there are any problems. Take aims in the chat there doing his bit. Yeah, 50 people hanging around. Hit the like button. Hit the dislike button if you think we're shit. You know, do whatever you want. Mark Pritchard's there trading leather boxing. Hope you're well, sir. Good to see you in there trading leather boxing. Good to see you indeed. MB as well. Gary Lockwood, Swaggy Taggy. Guys tuning in from YouTube, Facebook, all over the world. Uh, just about coming up to about 7,000, not as many as usual, about 7,000 in the chat there, just hanging around, just thinking about, just remembering the good old days, Andy. Remember the good old days when you used to go outside? 
sepia tinted ones indeed. Oh, they were the days, mate. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pale blue, you know, and skin tone most year round, but I'm, I'm seriously going something fucking awful here. I'm like milky white now, man. I just. You know, it just it would be great. See me the pubs open again, by the way. It's going to be like an SES fucking platoon trying to get at the pubs, not that they'll be creeping out your fucking holes and stuff like that, trying to get to the fucking door. Are you open? Are you fucking sure? How many pints can we get? Te- anything we want. Fucking come on. Oh, I can't wait for the pubs to open again, like, because it was, always, it was always handy to go down to the shop for a pint of milk, but nip out the pub on the way past to get the fucking pint and then get the milk and then the way back and get another pint on the way back. Couldn't you beat it? Better talk a bit of boxing then, Andy. Let's move on, shall yeah, we, Joe? Joe Kennedy was thanking you, actually, as I was mentioning last night uh, from what, what you could have heard. Uh, Joe Kennedy was thanking you for putting things up on your channel. You have a YouTube channel going there, Andy. You're putting new fights on all the time. Joe, it's been helping him get through. Joe's a good guy over on Patreon, one of the one of our regular listeners as well. What new fights have you been uploading onto the old El Cholo channel? Um, I think, well, obviously, I've, as you can, I've been cutting through uh, Edwin Valero's career and stuff, um, some Jungkook Chang for any of you younger uh, like listeners and stuff, Chang was a uh, South Korea, South Korean light flyweight. He was WBC champ for you know heavy rain, fought uh, short chain ladder, uh, German Torres. Um, I think he was invo- he was voted into the Hall of Fame as well. So he is a I don't know if he's the only Korean or the first Korean or whatever that, but he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Um, I actually came across some old copies of Joe Gans fights and stuff. They're, they're not great quality, right? So, you know, there's one of them like over an hour long. Um, watch it if you want. But as I say, it's no great quality. I just I stuck it up there because like 19, was it 1910 or something like that, 1907 or something. Mm-hmm. So I just stuck it up there just for people to see it. Um, some Julio Cesar Chavez um, and some Archie Moore. So, um, yeah, I've been kind of ticking over. The day I was watching, um, I didn't upload it actually, but I actually watched it on YouTube as uh, Lomachenko against Campbell again, actually. Um, I was quite surprised, uh, just kind of re-watching it as to how, how good Campbell actually fought, but you, know, you could see just that slight different levels. You know, Lomachenko's like elite, whereas Campbell's just that slightly below. I mean, he did well, he hurt Lomachenko a couple of times, uh, visibly hurt him anyway, backed him up a few times and that as well, but... Lomachenko, even though he was physically the, the smaller guy, and Cam was a big lightweight, but um, he gave him some heavy weather as well, Lomachenko. So, um, really good fight to uh, go back and watch. But um, sadly, to kind of sit and listen to Adam Smith again is just something you didn't want to be doing during this difficult period. Now, one fight I've been going back in and watching, I've been trying to go back over fights that I haven't seen for years and I remember only watching once. And a lot of the times, Andy, you go back on these fights and you think to yourself, you remember it happening a certain way. But whenever you watch it again, it didn't quite happen how you remember. And this is why I want to go back and watch the, the two fights between Carl Frampton and Leo Santa Cruz. I was mm-hmm. lucky enough to be ringside for both of them. The first one in New York, where Frampton won, and the second one in Vegas, where he lost narrowly. I haven't actually sat and watched them since the night. So I'm wondering, watching them back on TV, with or without commentary, whether I'll have a different perception. Also, question coming in later from Ben Thorns. He was talking about Canelo Triple G2. That's a fight I'm also going to go back and watch. I did it this week. 2001, November 2001, William Joppe against Howard Eastman for the vacant WBA world middleweight title in Las Vegas. I'm just going to check, actually, while we're live, uh, what undercard it was on. I seem to remember it was on a big... Yeah, it was on the 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 rematch between Lennox Lewis and Hasim Rachman. That was it. And at the time, I remember listening to Sky's commentary. It was Ian Dark, maybe alongside Glenn McCrory, Jim Watts, somebody like that. And I thought to myself, um, Howard Eastman was... Yeah, hard done to. I thought he might have got that. No, this was Eastman's 
uh, next fight after he had knocked out Robert McCracken, who actually went on to be his trainer in the end. But he'd knocked out McCracken, got the shot at, shot at Joppe, went over to America. And I thought he was hard done to at the time. But looking back, I think he was a worthy loser. I had Joppe by about three points. I just don't think that Eastman worked hard enough. He was a very lethargic fighter. He dropped him at one point. He had the skill. He had the talent. He had the big uh, shock white beard. But 19 years ago, this is how old this fight was. And I, I was lucky enough to see Howard Eastman in the flesh. But 19 years ago, he just didn't do enough to win. So uh, do you go back sometimes, Andy, and watch fights and you have a, a picture of it in your mind? And sometimes things actually play out quite differently from what you perceived it to be. Um, well, one fight I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I remember uh, Ricky Burns against um, oh the Puerto Rican uh, was it Gonzalez, and I was ringside for that fight, and um, I had it quite close, and people were like, "No fucking chance! There's no chance it's a close fight." Gonzalez is winning his fight clear at the park, and then obviously um, he quit. But if he Actually, obviously, if you see different, it harms. You see different fights sometimes. If you sat ringside, you can see it totally different to ringside what you can see in the TV. For example, specific that fight, I remember uh, that Gonzalez landed or throwing a number of body shots against Burns, which he was blocking with his elbows. Burns has got quite long arms, and he was blocking these. Obviously, he's got the high guard, but he's, he's got the elbows tucked in, and he was blocking those shots. But if you look at it in the TV for different angles, it looks like those same punches actually landed. So it wasn't until I actually got home for the fight because I said, I was getting shit. David Hare was phoning me up, gave me shitloads and that. I said, Ah, Burns lost that fight. He was fucking getting schooled and that. I said, I never saw that. I really never saw that. But uh, as I said, I had to go back. I, I, I got back late, like two in the morning. And I, I stuck the fight on again and stuff. I said, Okay, I, I can see I can see it now why you think Gonzalez was pissing that fight out of the park. However, here's my taking it because I've seen. These punches getting blocked, so uh, we're scoring, you know, punches that get blocked, or we're scoring shots that we can we think we see on the TV that we think it's actually landing. So, um, well, obviously there's fights that I watch back and stuff. Um, that's purely for fun, uh, like masochists like Duran against Moore or Chino against Broner, for example. But um, one fight that I always um, try to think of uh, top of my head, but one it was again actually. Um, Closest fight it was. Um, no, I was going to say Oscar against Trinidad, but it's been a while since I watched that fight, so it's probably the kind of bad, yeah, the, the bad suggestion. But no, see that fights like like Leonard against Hagler, for example. I went back and watched that fight four, five, six times, and I always scored it the same because obviously it's always been a disputed scorecard that comes up. It's always been something I've been asked to talk about on, on the podcast. It's always been. Something you know, an article here and there and stuff is always kind of forced to kind of point to talk about it. But I just kind of see anything past one fifty, one thirteen to Leonard, and uh, I've went back to it uh, to actually kind of try and score additional rounds to to Hagler, and I just can't because there is no way Hagler won any any of those first four rounds. So if Leonard wins the first four rounds, you can't then tell me he never won another three. So that's the kind of only one I can think of off the top of my head at the minute. There was. Um, there's one on the top. There's there's one on my tongue, but I can't remember the fucking name. It. Oh, come back to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. One thing I wanted to bring up, Andy, uh, the guys in the chat have mentioned it as well. Fat Dan, obviously, leaving ESPN. I don't know how I feel about this. I know I troll him when we're going about the fleece and all that, but I was listening. To, uh, usually, the boxing rant comes out before. Um, comes out after us, sorry, so I don't have the pleasure of listening to it before we go live, but I found myself agreeing with a few things, and Fat Dan being uh, bunked out of ESPN is one of them. Fox B was saying there, Fat Dan was rubbish, check his point scoring. 
I don't know, it's like he's been part of the furniture for so long. And I don't real I'm not really sure I'm happy about him going or leaving. I kind of liked him having around as that sort of jovial, big, fat fight figure at the time. You know, he was always hammering the buffet. He was getting his scores wrong. He was always trolling people. And I kind of liked him to a certain extent. And I'm having mixed feelings here. I'm finding myself a little <laughs> bit sad that Dan's gone. Um, well, I'm not because I didn't really kind of. I mean, I, I'm blocked by him, so I didn't get to see any. So am I. <laughs> what did you do? Like, I can't remember. I think I disagreed with these the way he saw a fight and he just blocked me. All right. Um, well, to be honest, yeah, unless you were actually looking for his stuff, I type in ESPN, you'll probably find some you know weekly update, but it wasn't a fight, a, a figure that I went and looked at because. One thing about okay, we've all got our own biases. We've all got you know, our own, you know, fan. Well, we, that's way, we're known the professional media and that, so we can say what the fuck we want or mm-hmm. support who we want, right? Yeah. But he, on the other hand, has got a worldwide platform to millions of viewers and listeners and stuff, and he's got his biasism. So it's fair enough. The Americans have got that kind of tribalism thing about them as well, and their sports fans and that, especially the journalists. But I remember fucking getting ready. To, well. Lying in my hotel room in, in Germany for the for the Hey Klitschko fight, just kind of going through on Twitter and that, waiting for the you know, take me up to go and get the train to go to the stadium and stuff. And that guy is on Twitter. I kid you not, he was on Twitter every fucking half an hour tweeting David Hey, don't pull out now, don't pull out now. Who fucking does that? What professional journalist actually tweets a fighter and fucking you know says to them, don't pull out of this fight because obviously okay, you had the problems previously trying to get the fight made. Okay, I get that, but you're a professional fucking hack. Who are you to be fucking doing that? And then the thing is, when David Hayden tries to get a hold of you in fucking America, what happens? You fucking pick up your flabby belly and run like fuck. <laughs> and hold on your waistband and your jeans so then they fall about your ankles, you fat fuck. So, uh, nah, I, look, the end of the day is, um, I think after this this thing said and done, about a few journalists losing their, losing their jobs and that, I mean, i seen there was a, a tweet came out there about Scottish newspapers begging us to go and buy them. I'm like, fuck off. You fucking full of shite and lies anyway. Well, fucking, the only thing is good for us pack up your fish and chips. Fuck that pish. So I'm not really too bothered about, about Dan Raphael and that. Um, Steve Kimmer here's taken over. Is that right? Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Um, again, he's he's okay. He's um, he's been running about the game. Yeah, a, a, a fair bit. So he's 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 probably one of the kind of earlier guys who worked on the. Um, the, the internet and that, kind of like the YouTube channels and stuff, and the blogs and the podcasts. And that. So he's actually worked himself up through the ranks and stuff. You like, you know, and he's got to where he's got to. So he's he's, he's grafted, shall I say? But again, I'm not a big fan of Steve Kim's either. And that he has got the access, and that I I won't dispute it. But I just find them a bit of a great, to be honest with you. Um, it's just probably just his personality. I just didn't kind of rubs him up the wrong way. Um, he's happily kind of. Self-face, you know, he puts that kind of slanty eyes things, uh, comments sometimes, it's just sit right with me, okay, he's got Korean ancestry and stuff like that, but it's just like that fucking Haney situation, what the fuck's the point of coming out with that shit, you know, but any day is, that is what it is, I suppose, so, well done to Steve Kim, he gets a wee promotion, good money and that as well, so uh, I'm a busy man, but as I say, um, I dare say there'll be a few uh, journalists not losing their jobs over the next few weeks and months and stuff as we struggle to get the content out there because it's just just a podcast mm. that are struggling as well mate but the the main professionals are you know struggling as well absolutely it's joy as a desert at the moment uh, andy mentioned devon haney situation i know rob wants to go in on that later on when he comes on we'll talk also we'll have the second part of our fantasy tournament hopefully the cruiserweights will be discussed tonight 
Uh, Joe Kennedy's thrown in a few questions. Uh, Danny Young's thrown in questions as well, so we'll get to them. I have a guest coming on around 20 to 9, quarter to 9, something like that. Uh, Ozzy couldn't join us, unfortunately. Um, if anybody in the chat wants to come on, I mean, give me a shout. It's, it seems handy enough getting on this stream yard. It's just a case of sending the link to you. So if you do want to come on, then let me know and we'll, we'll add you to the call. As for Fat Dan, yeah, Andy's right there. I can't really back anything up that I said because I never read his articles. I was blocked by him on Twitter, but it just made sense. Fat Dan, he works for ESPN. It's like, it's 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 reminding me of my own mortality. You know, Fat Dan's <laughs> beard's getting grey. He's been sacked by ESPN. It's just the time yeah, moving but... on too quickly for me. Steve, well, we've spoke about Fat Dan here for the last what, five minutes and stuff, and not one has I made a mention to that <laughs> epic fleece. You know, is it going to be? Uh, listen, uh, ho- hopefully, Big Dan gets his place in the Hall of Fame in um, in New York. And what would be great to see his fucking fleece getting put up there as well. Eh? Just kind of like get it on a kind of mannequin, stick it up. Oh, but I need a big mannequin. Actually, probably need an extension for that fucking wildebeest to get a fucking statue for him. But I uh, could get that put up somewhere in the. In the in the hall, there's rapping Rob on, so you can maybe get one at the Haney situation. You know, absolutely rapping Rob Kelly. How are you? How are you sounding? Evening, gentlemen. Can you hear how me are you, okay? Rob? You okay? Yeah, I'm maintaining, maintaining. You know yourself. Quarantine times and all that. It's fucking getting tougher every fucking minute. But uh, <laughs> hanging in there for the moment. Good stuff. Yeah, we're just going to bring you straight in on the Devon Haney situation. For me personally, I wouldn't say I was offended by it, but then I don't get offended by anything. Um, I, I was mentioning that I was listening to the boxing rant earlier. I thought Vince made a good point and a point that I thought to myself. Haney was possibly playing to the gallery. Was he talking to maybe Fred Hawthorne or one of them boys? Maybe he's egging himself on a little bit, talking to a particular crowd. I don't know. I'm not offended. The question I have, Rob, is... Should Eddie Hearn be letting the guys sort of just go freestyle here or should Eddie be saying, look, from a commercial branding point of view, just reel it in a little bit, lads? That's the only thing I'm thinking. But how do you feel about Devin Haney's comments? Well, first of all, even Ed, uh, even an Omar. Hi, uh, Cooks. Shinny had an interview with us this week, so he's probably due in IFL tomorrow. Um, so <laughs> hope the boys are all okay. Um, no, <laughs> look, the Devin Haney thing... Uh, talking about Brandon, I mean Eddie Eddie Hearn um, basically was the first one to fucking name him as the as the heir to Floyd Mayweather. Oh, I know, already. I remember that. And no fucking pressure on the chap's shoulders. Look, at, I there's extreme cases in boxing for for the for the most part. I made this point to somebody during the week. I can't remember what it is, but I think I've said it on here before as well. Fighters, for the most part, not rocket scientists. Most of them come from you know very very disadvantaged backgrounds. You know they're not the brains of Britain by by any 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 stretch of the imagination. I don't know Devin Haney as his persona well enough to to make a judgment on that because they haven't really watched that many of his interviews. I don't really buy too much into that kind of locker room talk. I mean, like for exa- example, if I was an Irish guy and I'm fighting an English people, I'm nothing against English people, but if I was fighting one of them, I'd be calling him an English everything. You know what I mean? It's just the way it is, and he'd be calling me an Irish whatever. So you know, it's just. It's just the way it is, but like, I don't want to kind of get into the st- situation where I'm excusing Devin Haney because our listeners will then brand me as a race trader. There's all there's too many, there's too much of this kind of carry on that goes on in boxing at the moment. It's way too divided when it comes to sets of vans, and I think it was just a, a, a an ill judged comment that's after further and kind of further fanning the flames and the aftermath of this Wilder Fury thing where it's become more evident. What I'd say about it is. Yeah, boxing fans, you can take Devin Haney to task, you can take B Hop to task, you can but like where the fuck do you draw the line then? So you're mad at Devin Haney, but like 
you might love Jake Lamada, or you might love Sugar Ray Robinson, or you might love Mike Tyson. Like fighters have fucking <laughs> some of them are awful people. You know what I mean? People that we idolize, are, and they're, they're, they they not might not necessarily be awful people, but they've done awful things. So you know, Billy Joe Saunders winds me up from time to time. Broner, where it's just blatant, constantly flouting out of and disrespecting people. I don't know if Haney, Haney's going to end up in that category. I doubt he will. I doubt he'll end up in the category um, that he that he puts himself in as the next Floyd Mayweather, or, or like that picture that he put on Twitter. It's kind of old news now, isn't it? Somebody says something, Eddie gets in their ear, he comes out then now and he's fully committed to ending racism around the world and fully focused on being the next Floyd Mayweather, hence this split-screen photo on me Twitter. I don't, I don't know what Haney's resume looks like at 135, but I know what Floyd's was like. <laughs> Shit. Sure. Come he's on. Fucking, he's fucking nowhere near it. And he has to beat the guys around him first. That's the other thing I would say about him. No problem with him being outspoken. He can say what he wants to. He might feel that in his heart that he beat Lomachenko. But for the moment, he has done nothing to put himself even in the same category for me as Javante Davis. Because at least Davis has won a couple of world titles against Pedraza, who was a live body. He, as Ozzy said on fucking on the pod one week, um, Devin Haney's an email champion. He's the two-time Gmail fucking MSN Messenger Bebo page champion. So he should go and beat some fucking live bodies before he he um, and then he can maybe have a deserving sense of arrogance. But for, that's really where I stand on it at the moment. I'm not going to fucking judge any fighters from the fucking moral high ground. Like most of them are headbangers to begin with, and. You know, it's it's kind of like as I said, if you judge one fighter, where the fuck do you stop? Like, because fighters throughout history have done a, an array of fucked up shit. So, um, I just like to see him beat somebody with a pulse. That'd be nice. Evening, Ed. How are you? He summed it up well for me, Andy. I agree. Where does you know what about her? Otherwise, isn't it? I agree with everything Bob says. What about Tiafimo Lopez? Actually, he's told Haney to shut the fuck up. Maybe he could do with yeah. listening to old Tiafimo. Yeah, and also having Rob saying, um, I've not listened to boxing right yet. I'll, I've actually downloaded it actually, so it's on my, my iPod. I'll catch it later. Um, but I, I agree. There's no racist, man. It's, whatever way people want to look at it. I was, I was trolling him basically saying, oh, I'm no racist. I went, you racist, bitch. But um, I'm just at the fucking wind up. And that. The, the, the thing that really pisses me off is like, you know, I ain't a racist. I'm chasing greatness. You know, that's a wee fucking rhyme for you and stuff like that. And he's got a picture of him next to Floyd. Stop fucking... You know, they did the same with Broner on that as well because he did the shitty shoulder roll. Fucking Devin Haney is not a world champion. But he's, he's now calling himself a two-time world champion. They wonder Tiafimo Lopez is telling me to shut his fucking mouth. Right? He's fucking at least Lopez won his title in convention fashion against you know I suppose a respected champ of some sort. Right? He's beat Magdaleno. He beat Tatley, who was a long-standing European champ. Right? Fucking who's who the fuck's Devin Haney beat? What ten rounds with? A washed-up former world champion Juan Carlos Burgos, for fuck's sake, right? I mean, just get fucking real, you know. Until he fucking fights someone who is world-rated, at least he is not world champion. As Rob says, he's Gmail fucking champ all the way fucking through. I, mean, I can just imagine it when Mauricio Solomon sent him that second email and that he says, "Oh, you've been reinstated." But as he knew, the fucking WBC Adobe Reader fucking PDF champion or something like that, man, for fuck's sake, you know. Titles are one in the ring, right? And as Rob mentioned last week about the WBO belt, and that it wasn't, it was lightly like lightly regarded back in the day, which it was. But as Chris Eubank says, he likes to think that, that the guy who holds who held that belt back in them days made that belt. So people like Eubank, who fuck, uh, who defended it numerous times, should have lost it. You know, I'm trying to make an example here. Champs are made in the fucking ring. They do not get fucking FedEx titles or fucking you know Royal Mail belts and stuff like that for fuck's sake. Titles are won and lost in the ring. And this is all because 
um, this champion, what do you call it again? What was the WBC status again? They came in, they gave, um, they gave Lomachenko some... Oh, uh, is it Emeritus or something like that? No, no, it was a franchise champion. Franchise, yes. Yeah, fucking, you know, so they've created all this fucking bullshit themselves, right? Um, as I say, is we, we need to get the fights back to get this shit fucking sorted out. Haney's obviously looking for attention, uh, trying to get the profile built up in that during these austere times. He's, he's no money coming in and stuff. You know, he's pissed off. He's probably want attention. But how how you go about doing it is, you know, there's one way of doing it, but just you know, doing shit like that, you just you rub some people up the wrong way, right? And you end up fucking in perhaps alienating some people who were warming to you. I mean, Christ, I mean, I'm not a big Tiafimo Lopez fan. And the, the shit he's been talking about Lomachenko at the end of the day, right? But I'm starting to warm him a little bit for fucking calling Haney out on his bullshit. You know, at least at least Lopez is going to go in with Lomachenko and see where he's at. Fucking Haney's fucking standing there talking about it. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fight Lomachenko. You ain't fought anybody close to Lomachenko, man. Fucking Loma would fucking slap your ass up and do the fucking place. Right? You know, look at the fucking fighters he's beaten, tooled. Big guys, small guys, fucking, you know, look what he did to Walters. He, he had three fighters quit on him, right? Handled Campbell pretty pretty well there as well. Um, who, who was the other one that he fucking schooled? Um, Gary Russell, probably probably considered, you know, the top, I would say probably either the top two or, or the number one featherweight in the world at the minute, right? And Lomachenko handled him, even though the, the, the bullshit scorecards as well. What the fuck? You think Devin Haney's fucking going to go and do it to Gary Russell or fucking Lomachenko and stuff like that? Get that fucking grip, Lom- man. And Lomachenko's a fucking featherweight as well, by the way. Exactly. Exactly. So, Haney, man, as I say, is, it, what makes it worse is we, we, we've not got the fights happening. And the longer this shit goes on, you're like, when's it ever going to happen? Is it going to happen? They're out going to outgrow weight? I don't know. Is Lomachenko going to retire after Lopez? Who fucking knows, man? You know, at this point, you know, we can't even get fans into stadiums and stuff. So how can these how can these fights get made if you can't get fans in to help pay pay the gates and you know pay costs and stuff like that? It's just it's kind of conceivably happen. So uh, yeah, Haney just needs to shut the fuck up, man. Prove it in the ring when you get a chance and fight the real fucking fighters. These guys like say Antonio Moran and stuff mm. like that. You know, f- you know, okay, a tough Mexican, right? But that's what they are. They're tough. Mexicans are always tough and always get a game fight. But you want to talk about Lomachenko, you want to talk about fucking uh, Lopez and stuff like that, then fucking step up and fight them. Get Eddie Hearn on the fucking phone. You're a billionaire fucking promoter. He's the number one guy in town supposed to be. Get the fucking fight made. I mean, he was happy to make Lomachenko against Campbell. Even with Bob Arum. Even Eddie. He's fading in the tears is ahead of him for me. Ryan Garcia's last performance was... Pretty impressive, I thought. And Teofimo Lopez, like you said, definitely ahead of him. So Lopez, Tank, um, Lomachenko, and uh, Ryan Garcia are all ahead of him in 135 for me. And he's talking, talking this shit like it's just a joke. Like you said, he hasn't even won a fucking title. Let's see him in the ring. With... Now, no doubt about it, he has the potential. He has oh, the yeah. potential. Absolutely. Looks okay. You'll have to see it. Potential is one thing, and doing it is another thing. I mean, this talking... is the thing. This is the thing, Andy. I want to see how good he is because I remember on the way up, he was promoting his own shows. He was very young. He had a bit of buzz about him, and I respect him for that. He was trying to do things a bit differently. Uh, Showtime took an interest, and I thought, yeah, he's a decent prospect. He has a bit of speed about him. He looks good. But since he's signed up with Eddie, I can't really blame them. They've promoted him to the stratosphere, talking about Mayweather potential mm-hmm. and all this type of stuff. I know they're only talking bullshit, and they've got to promote their guy. But I never looked at him in those early days because he's had about twenty odd fights, hasn't he? And thought to myself, yeah, this 
kid's going to be the next big deal. I think he, he looks like a good fighter, but as you say, he's got to prove something in the ring first. He, there's another one who's circumventing the Mayweather. You know, Mayweather was doing the business in the ring. Broner looked at the party inside of Mayweather and adopted mm-hmm. that. Haney's now trying to get the controversial shit talk inside of Mayweather. They're missing the fundamental basis of Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, he was a fucking, he was a beast. Floyd was out fucking training when you were lying sleeping. Mm. You know, I mean, that was, it, was, it, was his last fight. I can't, I think it was his last fight. I was not impressed with him whatsoever. And I know, he, I know he won handedly and stuff, but you know, you need more. You know, end of the day, Floyd coming up was sensational. Manny coming up was sensational. They changed the styles a little bit. Floyd changed a little bit when his hands got brittle and he got, he got bigger. So he went up in weight against the bigger guys. And obviously, the hand issues and stuff like that. So they adapt his style. Did he see, we need to see Haney kind of fight different styles and stuff. And as I say, he's 21 years old. And he's a two-time world champion by fucking default. I mean, uh, and he's out there promoting himself as a world champion. The end of the fucking days, you know, you mentioned Hopkins. I'll never lose to, to, to a white boy. In the fucking day, Bernard Hopkins at that point was a bona fide legend. He can say what the fuck he wants, how he wants and when he wants. Haney's a fucking wee virgin. You know, he's a fucking, he's a YT who should be in the fucking background doing what he's told, shut the fuck up, learn your craft, and then when you start fucking winning big fights and earning the titles and earning respect for your peers and the fans, stuff like that, then you can start with a shit talk. In the meantime, just Hopkins shut the fuck up, that, dude. Hopkins said that to Joe when they were face-to-face. Too, exactly, that was the main thing. He had the bottle to say to his face. Port, you know, slap the Puerto Rican flag down and all. It was just one of those things that... I wouldn't like he probably genuinely thought like that. He did explain it to Bunce afterwards, didn't he? He said, like, uh, well, if you live on my block, like, you'd rather get beat up by Brother Jones than Brother Humperdink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he didn't the right to smack talk, Rob. Like Andy said, he didn't that right. Yeah, like Andy said, Hopkins was a legend at that stage. He was a middleweight legend uh, by the time he had fought Joe Kazagi, moved up to 75 fight contract. He was an absolute legend of, of, of the middleweight era. Like, so yeah, Devin Haney not quite there yet, but. He could, he could turn out to be the goods. Who knows? I just, I just like to see it first. Absolutely. Just to remind the listeners, you are listening to episode 369 of the Boxing Asylum Nutters podcast. You can hear us all tonight, which is an absolute bonus. Andy's with me, Steve, rapping Rob Kelly's here as well. Don't forget, if you're not subscribed to the iTunes feed, you might want to do that because we've been dropping punches from the past episodes way back from season one. Me, Andy, Dave Lee and Kurt Ward are doing those ones. A new one is dropping each Wednesday for you. So punches from the past episodes on the main iTunes feeds, not Patreon, uh, every Wednesday. Uh, speaking of which, Paul Massingham got in touch over on Facebook. He said, loving this punches from the past. Lewis versus Klitschko was a very good listen, passing the time well during lockdown. I would recommend, says Paul, Darren Barker's biography and also Jim Braddock's life story. Uh, both were read in a week. Uh, keep up the good work, guys. I know your life is uh, your list is stacked, sorry, for punches from the past. But if you get a chance, we'd love to hear Bruno versus McCall and a forgotten fight in Hay versus Carl Thompson. We'll certainly add those to the list and give them a good think about. Uh, Hay was not really, forgo- not really forgotten. Oh. Hay versus Thompson, I suppose. That's when Hay burnt out, isn't it? Aye. But Bruno McCall, man, I remember that. Oh, that was quite, it was quite plodding, that wasn't it? It was like, in the end, you were like, just stay on your feet, Frank. You'll win the fight. Just stay on your fucking yeah. feet. It was like he was gassed. It was, it was, it was, I don't know, like the last four rounds of that fight, man. It was what the fight left. represented rather than the actual spectacle yeah. itself. Because we all wanted him to win that world Aye. title and that, yeah. For, for, fourth time I asked him or something, was it, no way? Absolutely, oh. it certainly was. Uh, I'm going to try and get our guest in uh, shortly. Uh, Rob, I'll go to you with this question first of all. Sam Chatwin, I know I asked you last night, but I might as well ask you again. Actually, we can we'll be able to hear you. If you had to be quarantined with a current boxer, 
who would you pick and why, Rob? And I'm going to pick Australian lovely Ebony Bridges over on Twitter. You'd risk coronavirus from Ebony if you want to go and give her a follow. She's quite worth it. So what do you reckon then, Rob? Quarantined with a current boxer, who would you pick and why? Shannon Courtney. Hey, Rob. It's got to be Obanoff, hasn't it? Like, <laughs> it's got to be Obanoff, that blouse, baby. 14 days. I can't. She can't speak English. I can't speak Portuguese, but you know what I mean? That's probably the way I like it, to be honest. Bridges, you shut the fuck up and leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> right, Andy, I shall ask you the same question. I'm also going to bring up our guest as well. So if you get sick of things to say, you can maybe lead off into Eddie Cotton if you want, because I know he died. But um, if you just cover the fort for a second, that would be much appreciated. Yeah, so you want me to kind of like talk about what I would actually do in bed with him? Right <laughs> well, you, whatever you want. <laughs> um, yeah, um, I said, I think we said it last night, Cecilia Bracus, um, just got that, you know, that Columbia thing about her and that as well, you know, so I think you can watch what I say because the missus is like fucking five feet from me, so I better kind of keep it down a bit. Uh, yeah, Eddie Cotton, I, RIP, um, obviously retired, the uh, well-known boxing ref, I think he was early 70s or whatever and that, sadly, you know, died uh, with the COVID-19, um, he's been in the hospital for, for like two weeks or something and uh, sadly passed away a couple of days ago, um, involved in numerous world title fights, I think he kind of yeah, did a, a fair bit in Germany and that as well, did a lot of Klitschko fights, Felix Stern fights and stuff, um, I don't know, I, there was, I read something on Twitter that he was uh, actually serving a city council member as well back in the early 80s or whatever it was and uh, the long history uh, working in the New Jersey penal system as well uh, the boxing championships so um, it certainly will be lost uh, lost uh, influence in the in society and stuff uh, I don't know if he's got any surviving family and stuff or anything like that but I did notice Lou DiBella was tweeting out saying that, um, definitely sad news another good man lost to COVID-19 as I say he's one of the most well-known and respected refs and that, uh, probably running a bit of sport at that time. So, I uh, so he's, he is survived by his wife, uh, Lou DiBella, saying here. Um, other fights he'd worked as well was uh, Riddick Bow against Andrew Golota, rematch. Uh, what a fucking fight to be, a, to, to be a member of. Tyson Fury, Steve Cunningham, and uh, the night Shannon Briggs won the lineal title for George, George Foreman. So, uh, yep, rest in peace to Eddie Cotton. Absolutely. Rest in peace. We're still trying to get our first guest on at the moment, so we shall move on swiftly. Uh, back to you, Rob Kelly. Uh, do you want to say anything about Eddie Cotton? I wasn't listening to Andy there, but I will listen back, Rob. But I'm assuming he mentioned Eddie's finest moment, which was 2002, uh, Mike Tyson against Lennox Lewis. Holy shit, yeah. I was only watching that. I was only watching that last night, you know. Um, he, he'd already warned Lewis for holding after two rounds. I remember that um, at the time. Because I remember talking with Manny about that before, but they, they, they brought Lewis purposely in a bit heavy to lean and lie on Tyson because they knew he was going to go. But it's amazing. After the first round, uh, Manny says to Lennox Lewis, because Lennox was a bit frenzied in the first round. And to me, it was kind of one of Tyson's last good pro rounds where he was trying to build off the jab. After the second round, he just fucking completely abandoned the jab and just winged it. He knew he was going to get beaten. He was on a hiding to nothing. like, And I think he was kind of actually waiting to get knocked out. But um, Manny just said to Lennox... Uh, if you just take a if you just take a second and step back and look at this guy, you'll actually see how terrible he looks. <laughs> Fucking brilliant bit of coaching, like as Lewis settled down after that, got on the jab, and as we know, completely dominated the fight. So, um, I know I'm kind of um going off the topic a little bit, but of course, rest in peace, Eddie Cotton, and rest in peace, anyone who's lost their life to this awful COVID. Um. But yeah, I'm all, he's definitely been involved in some fights. That that, that fucking really bow uh, 
I got a lot of rematches as well. Like, well, how would you referee that? Like, how the fuck? <laughs> Shotgun. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you might, might, might be onto something there. Like, fucking. For the bleachers. I actually know a Polish guy, he actually lives in Wexford and he's from Warsaw. And he said, um, Galata, when they were kids, used to fucking drive around the estate and that and give them all tracksuits and stuff. He said they were living in a fairly poor spot. Like, so I always had a lot of respect for him for that, but he said he just couldn't fucking get it in there, get it together in the ring. He was a fucking banger. Like, wasn't he? He's actually, it actually, he's one of those fighters that you wonder what, what, what could have been at times because he was basic enough, but he big punch, like, and he could, he seemed tough enough that he could hang in there. But he used to make the night against Tyson, like, when he quit, he was like, nah, fuck this. Like, in his corner, we're like, you're fucking, you better get off that corner and get out and fight him. And he was like, nope. <laughs> he should have been more what he, what he achieved. You wonder why he'd had a good coach maybe to, to keep him focused. Um, he obviously had a, a self destruct button that used to rear its head in the ring or all places, which is fucking the wrong place. <laughs> you have, they had, it was only Doofus he had in his corner. Sure, no, it was no so Lou. I thought it was Norman Stone, but it wasn't Norman Stone. In- no, it was no Lou Doofus because did, did Lou, see that the after one of the fights, did Lou Doofus not get carried out in a stretcher after having a heart attack or something? Something like that, yeah. There was a fighting ring after, wasn't it? Ah, yeah, big, big chaos. Ah, oh, that was the first Bo Galotta, wasn't he? Lou oh, was, was in trouble. Yeah. Fucking Foreman's doing the SAS security detail for Jim Lampley at ringside and stuff like that. Don't do it, son. Don't do it. <laughs> that's right. Ah, that's right. You don't want to go in there, son. They'll sort it out. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Lampley's like shaking like fucking like, He's like, George, thank you. Thank you, George. <laughs> is, like, who's going to fuck with you? Is George one of the best fighters ever? That could have been the worst commentator of all time. He was fucking hopeless. On, on those oh, days. Lennox Lewis is bad, mate. Lewis is bad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Foreman Lewis read fights bad. wrong, though, I thought. Well, Foreman always read fights wrong. I was watching Klitschko against Monty Barrett the other day, and Klitschko was beating the piss out of Barrett for about seven rounds. And uh, Foreman's going, he's going to be dangerous now. Klitschko better watch himself. This is where Monty Barrett going to come on. And all this type of stuff, and like landing shots for him that he wasn't oh, even landing. That's the thing with Hazim Rackman, Lewis, the rematch. He was like, Rackman's going to get this any second. Bang, bang. Lewis, he's just fucking knocked out. And uh, Trinidad Hopkins for the whole fucking fight he was like Hopkins, uh, Trinidad's about to pull his trigger <laughs> like, you gotta fucking pull it soon he's getting shit better over there like, uh. he was the same Andy as well in Hopkins Trinidad wasn't oh, he I... he, kept, he kept saying he's gonna get him and in the end Larry uh, Merchant says why won't you give Bernard Hopkins any credit George yep. he's fighting a great fight That's great. Yep. Yeah, Larry, yep. Larry wasn't having that shit was he <laughs> Oh, but hey, we'll, we'll mention that one as well. But I'll, I'll need to mention the Hamed one. But um, yeah, against uh, Trinidad, Trinidad Hopkins, he was, had a hard one for Trinidad, didn't he? And he just like disregarded everything Hopkins was doing. Yeah, Trinidad, go watch that left hook. Fucking Hopkins took that left hook out of play after like round three or something like that. But uh, his greatest moment was was fucking was dressing down Jim Lampley. Um, we were fucking mental during the, uh, the Brera Hamed fight. And um, you know, obviously, Hamed's getting his fucking. He's getting the fucking piss beat out of my stuff like that. <laughs> fucking Lampley pipes up. And, eh, uh, eh, uh, what's it? Barrera, eh, uh, Allah is going to have to know how to spell Barrera. Right? <laughs> so fucking, <laughs> that's right. Foreman took a fucking umbrage to this shit, man. He's like, Dude, what the fuck are you saying? You can't say that. That's disgraceful. And, eh, uh, Lampley, I can't remember what Lampley said again. He says, I'm no being dis- dis- disrespectful or whatever it was and stuff. I think just, I don't know if Lampley just got caught up in it and stuff like that or just totally this phrase to come out with in that but it's just it's a bit like the Haney situation in that as well I'm not like a white boy beat me it's just like something like along those lines and stuff like that. you know you'll offend a few but others will just fucking laugh at it you know 
Talking of white boys beating people, uh, Andy, we had a question in for you from Swaggy Taggy, a bit of a historical one, so feel free to go in or out of depth as much as you want. Uh, Swaggy said, uh, off the back of the brief discussion about Tommy Burns a few weeks ago, the question has been there for a while of former champions that drew the colour line, particularly between the period that Jack Johnson lost the heavyweight title and Joe Lewis first gained it, should be recognised in history as the world's Caucasian champion in the same way that there was a recognised world coloured champion during the days of the colour line in boxing. In fact, says Swaggy, it would seem there is already a precedent for this. As I have just discovered during Johnson's lengthy reign, they actually created a Caucasian heavyweight championship, which was apparently also awarded to Max Bear during Lewis's first reign as champ. Personally, I agree that I don't think it's fair that there isn't an asterisk against champions that never really fought all the best guys of their era because they refuse to face black fighters, even if this does tarnish the likes of Dempsey and other uh, recognised greats who drew mm -hmm. the colour line after they became champ, which I believe was the case with Dempsey, but could be wrong. Now, you mentioned something to me, Andy. My limited knowledge also said this, that didn't Jack Johnson himself draw the colour line and didn't give the black fighters a shot, even though he himself was struggling yep. in that respect? Absolutely. Um, it's just funny this question came up actually because I, I was reading some old articles stuff. That, you know, I'm doing this thing at the minute, and I, and I came across an article from 1957, and I actually came across this this saying you know, the white heavyweight title. I was like, what the fuck's this? And it was for Jack Solomon, the old uh, English promoter, um, came out say they wanted Dick Richardson against Willie Pastrano for the white heavyweight title back in '57. I was like, what the fuck's that? So I went away and checked it out, and. The guy's right. I mean, you know, obviously, we'll, we'll mention the coloured title first because you know the, the coloured title, the coloured heavyweight title we'll mention anyway was was the the big prize for black fighters. You know, I think Jack Johnson had won it as well. And um, you know, when Johnson was champ, he never fought a black opponent. Never. You know, he fought he fought George and I don't know how many times, maybe five, six, maybe seven or eight times, whatever it was, before he was hit the the, the real heavyweight champ. And George and actually came out on record as saying. You know, basically saying is he, he's drew the color line. He says, you know, no black fighter. Uh, sorry, he said something along the lines of um, he drew the color line on his own people, right? Now, I didn't want to be. He kind of hold asterisk against it, for example, because the white, the color, the white title was never taken seriously, right? I think it was held by three or four people back in like the early nineteen hundreds and stuff. And by the time Johnson became the man. Uh, beating Tommy Burns and that the, the title became vacant um, or defunct, we wanted to call it and stuff. But when Willard beat Johnson back in whether it was nineteen, I don't know, sixteen, whether it was, um, no black fighter would fight for that belt again for over twenty years until Joe Lewis beat um, uh, Braddock. So the bare situation, though, is is for what I could see is he wasn't awarded that belt. That was more along the lines of the, a publicity thing to try and force a rematch. And you know, but Bear was kind of like he wasn't really promoted as, as as the white champ, and I think he'd been awarded that belt like the second last fight of his career or whatever it was, and that's so why he was never really legitimately recognised as that. Now, for what I've seen for Dick Richardson article for the Willie Pastrano back Willie Pastrano fight back in '57 was that no no sanctioned body or 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 commission or board. Would, would take it seriously, and the British Board of Control refused to refuse to sanction it or even refuse to recognise it. Um, so hopefully, I can answer that question. I don't think you should be asterisk against it because it says fighters, you know, okay, they pulled the colour line back in them days, but Jack Johnson pulled the colour line as well. But he also beat great fighters before he became champion. At the same time, nowadays you've got people fucking ducking people because, or oh, he doesn't bring enough money, or he's not got a belt. 
or nobody knows who he is, or he doesn't speak English, not sort of shit. So what can I form a fucking you know ducking is that? Okay, it's it's bad enough for that. I think you could hold asterisk against a few fighters for like so no no fighting each other and stuff. But just rounding it off, shall I say, is remember the WBC came out with um, another title back in two thousand and four, right? They tried to create an all African world title, which would be a <laughs> which would be here. This one, which, which, would, which would, Prince Patel couldn't wait to fight for. Oh, what? So this this <laughs> belt would have been open to all boxers of African descent for any country, as well as a boxer of any race living in Africa. So if you're a white man living in Africa, you'll get a shot at the old African heavyweight title, you know. So I it was it was it was criticised by all and abandoned, and it was never going to happen and stuff. But um, now you've also got you've got all these fringe belts now, WBO African, W you know all that shit and stuff like that, trans trans African belts and all that sort of stuff. Um, I did notice uh, again some tri- uh, South African belts, trans naval white championship titles and stuff like that. So. That shit did go on and stuff, but um, I don't think we can hold asterisks against fighters for no fighting the great black fighters of the time. Um, again, if you look at J- Jack Dempsey's record, okay, he pulled the colour line, but some people will disagree with what I'm going to say about Dempsey. He is a Hall of Famer, and if you look at some of the f- names on his record, I'm sure Tommy could back me up on this by saying this, that I think Dempsey is one of the fighters of all time who's got the most Hall of Famers on his resume. I need to double-check that one, but I heard that off Tommy once I'm gonna bring me, I, I love the sunlight for the crack bring me down to talk about Jack Dempsey, because you'll get every fucking training story, every <laughs> every conversation he had with his manager, every fucking round-by-round round breakdown of the Gene, two Gene Tony fights, so should try and get the outlet on sunlight for the crack and yeah. get him talking about the, the Rory Ask, 20s. Well, Ask him that question, mate. How many Hall of Famers has he got in his resume? I think it'll be quite interesting to know. I'm sure I'm sure he'd be able to tell me anyway, because he's able to tell you about Gunboat Smith fucking dropping him and all sorts of carry on. So, Gunboat uh, Smith. There's, there's a name I, you mentioned, uh, Stephen. I was reading up that. Gunboat Smith actually held the, uh, the white uh, heavyweight title as well. I just wanted to, I wanted to quickly, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I know you mentioned uh, Jem Roach fighting Tommy Burns there. Um, Jim Roach, of course, from Wexford, the only Wexford man ever to challenge for. The, I think he's the only Irish man ever to challenge for the world heavyweight title. Could be, um, could be wrong on that. So maybe one of the listeners could uh, could point us in the right direction, and maybe I'm missing a, an obvious one. But what allegedly happened? He got knocked out in the first round. Was what allegedly happened was he he went to shake shake hands with with Tommy Burns and wasn't paying attention to the old adage. The last time I saw a fair fight was in a fucking western. Um, when he went to shake hands, he got a box in the mouth and dropped <laughs> dropped the knocked out in the first round. That's that's legend now. I don't know. Obviously, the, there's fuck all footage from that that time or whatever. But that's that's what the the story has it. And I actually, my dad, who's good mates with Jim Roach's grandson, a fucking comedian. This man was now, by the way. But when I was a kid, he actually gave me the only remaining copper uh, copy of Jim Roach's record. So I have it somewhere. I'll try and dig it out. That's him with fought Tommy Burns, yeah. Hi, Phil Wexford. Yep. Well, can I can I just say whatever you've done, you're sounding really nice and loud and clear now. So I don't know what it. I've done. I don't know what I've done, Steve. I'm out in the field now, so maybe it's just <laughs> maybe the fucking maybe it's the five G yeah. in the gaff. I don't know. You know what I mean? He sounds great, Andy, doesn't he? Now he does. He does. <laughs> but uh, no, hopefully I answered that actually. But um, I say the asterisks and stuff like that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go quite that far as I say because we see all levels of ducking, even in this time and. Um, you could also say as well as any day it was it was a publicity thing. It was all about you know, any days it was created because 
no white man could beat Jack John. And at the end of the day, the heavyweight title at the time was American. It was white. We all heard the, the, the J.L. Sullivan comments about, you know, who, who never let a, a, you know, the N-word beat him and all that sort of stuff. Or, you know, there's there's the, the, the lack of courage and all that sort of stuff. At the end of the day, fucking Jack Johnson dominated every fucking white fighter. He laughed at them. He, you know, he just take the piss out of them. Then, you know, obviously, Joe Lewis came along 20 years later. They had to try and, you know, script him, basically. You know, don't do this, don't do that, don't mess with white women, don't be seen to do this, and so you know, live like a white man, basically. I don't know if that's even you know, even a saying, but um, you know what I'm saying, you know, just you know, giving yeah, this set of rules, yeah, ah, you know, just just pish. So, you know, it was clearly, you know, opportunistic promoters and managers basically trying to get money, trying to trade off, you know, a, a title belt that was fucking fake, and we see it every day, we see it, not every day, but you know what I mean, we see it. You know, we see WBA belts and stuff like that are fucking pish. People get to trade themselves off as world champion. That's what this is. It was a money-making exercise scheme for promoters, mainly for promoters and managers, because fighters weren't well paid back in them days unless you were like the top 1%. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, is that, is that what it was. It was just a you know, fucking money-making scheme, basically. Absolutely, Rob. We've had a question coming for you over on uh, Facebook from Graham Taylor. He wants to know your list of underrated fighters. Do I not like orange? No, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Graham. Regular listener, Graham Taylor. Underrated fighters, Rob. You can pick the criteria, whatever suits. Underrated fighters. You better see Rocky Lockridge, by the way. There's there's millions of underrated fighters. I fucking be here all night if I try to pick a fucking. What's the question? Okay, thing? give us fifty-seven. <laughs> What's the question? Who's an underrated fighter? Yeah, I think he wants to know just guys who you thought were always underrated, maybe underappreciated. You know, maybe didn't get the credit they deserved. I'm going to throw in a real left field one. I think the WBO featherweight reign of Stephen Lueveno during the early two thousands maybe made him an underrated fighter. Oh, uh, I'll chuck in Prince Charles Williams in. There you go, lovely one, great. There like, you go. Guys like Cowie and Matthew Sad Mohammed probably yeah. get the get, get the plaudits because the cruiserweight division wasn't the the glamour division. So pick, there's a million fighters from the eighties don't get the credit. Like I'm on about Breland and Starling, but Breland they get the credit, but Starling probably doesn't get the credit when they when they talk about great welterweights all the time. Like he's not, you know, time changes everything, and you know people's you know the longer you're a fan of the sport, things get skewed and stuff. But I say like in terms of oh, underrated fighters. Don't know, man. Really, to be honest with you, I don't know. It's, it's too. It's too. It's too. There's too many. I can't think of any off the top of my head. There. I don't. I leave. I leave that one to Andy. Actually, if he wants to jump in, I'll probably come back. I'm trying to see is there a coronavirus party going on in the field as well here. So I'm slightly distracted. Right. I think we'll move on to one of the key points of the week. We're still. I'm still trying to get the guest on, but it's a bit of a mystery at the moment. So we'll just. I'll just have to bear with us. If not, we'll get him on next week if we can. Um, let's go on to another question from Joe Kennedy. Let me see if I can just get it up here. I have put it on a banner, which is going up against the bottom of the screen. So we've done this before, Andy. We mentioned this off air. We, uh, it was a couple of years ago. I seem to remember maybe Alex was around at one point whenever we were doing this last, create the perfect fighter. Um, Joe Kennedy, as I say, has thrown it in. So he's gone for Holmes's jab, Frazier's left hook, um, Roberto Duran's inside work. Each asset, each facet of, of the perfect fighter, and we can. So let's have a look as it goes across the screen here. We've got the jab, we've got the uppercut, we've got the left hook, we've got the right hook or overhand right, I suppose you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, inside work, ring IQ, footwork, heart, chin, speed. 
So let's go through them one by one then, shall we, Andy? So first of all, what about Jab? Um, Larry Holmes is obviously the staple. Yeah. I'm going to go for Mikel Kessler for Jab, though. Yeah, good job, Mikel. Um, so you want to try and get some like kind of lower ranked names? Or... Just not necessarily lower ranked, but not the obvious ones. Like Joe's yeah. thrown in the likes. You know, you got your Holmes, your Frasers, you've got yeah. your Ali for movement. I was just trying to come up with some names. Like you could maybe throw in, say, Alexis Argello for Jab, and maybe yeah. that would prompt someone to, to have a look at him because he had one at one of the all-time best jabs, you know, world-class boxing. I'll, I'll give you one for left field. Felix Sturm, left jab. Yeah, excellent jab. He fucking, he, he pinged out, well, I was going to say Corte actually as well because the two of them pinged their jabs off Oscar's face. And uh, I remember, I always remember Roy Jones, I forget what fight it was, but he's, I can't remember the Sturm fight, he says, that jab is killing him about Oscar. And Oscar lost that fight. In fact, he lost both fights in my opinion to Sturm and Corte. And, um, Go both decisions, but um, yeah, I'll go Sturm. Sturm, I'm going to go for Kessler. What do you reckon, Rapping Rob Kelly? We're putting together the perfect fighter, then give us jab. Larry Holmes, all day. Aye, we're trying to get away from the obvious picks, though. Rob, give us oh, another sorry. one. What about Kingpin Bok- Kingpin Johnson? <laughs> Kingpin Johnson. He had one yeah. hell of a jab, you know. Yeah, he wasn't bad. He wasn't bad. So I'm supposed to. F- Ignore the guys who are really good at the left jab. I give you guys who are. Just okay <laughs> I know, I know, jab. it's a bit evil, but like I've gone for Kessler, Andy's gone for Sturm, so we're trying to avoid the obvious, obvious picks if you can. I, I don't know. I don't know. Man, just fucking kill me tonight, yeah. Winky <laughs> Wright, Kovalev, Mike McCallum's been thrown in. I'd say Mike McCallum for the under underappreciated fighter, by the way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Take Ames has thrown in George Groves as a non-obvious pick. Oh, that's yeah, a good huh? one. That's the that's type of ones one. we're looking for. Quality yeah. jab, Groves. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Right. Okay. Let's build a perfect imperfect fighter. Yeah. <laughs> For his haircut. His haircut can be that girl who had to have the weave removed. <laughs> his entrance. Groves. Groves to me, man. Groves' career took a fucking nosedive for me when he came in on the bus. What the fuck was the point of that? Like in front of eighty thousand people. What was that about? Like the bus. What was the significance of the fucking? Oh, I don't know. Anyway, gone off on one. He's going off on one. Right. Let's move on next to the uppercut. Joe has chosen Mike Tyson. I'm going to go. I like. I thought Lennox Lewis had an underrated uppercut. He used it quite well. If I'm remembering off the top of my head, against Shannon Briggs at times. Ray Mercer, eh? Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Tyson, Tyson too, hit him about 100 uppercuts in that fight. There we go. Unanimous decision on Lennox Lewis then. If everybody's in the chat, wants to throw some in. Yeah, Hagler's jab, says Fox B. Golovkin as well. Um, Winky Wright had an excellent southpaw jab from that. Yeah, that, that little shell defence. So left hook. So Joe Kennedy's gone for Joe Frazier, which is the obvious one. I'm going to go, Andy, for Felix Trinidad. For the uppercut. Uh, left hook now. Left hook. Oh, left hook. Yeah. Uh, left hook. Um, I'm going to go. Just it was obviously trying to kind of go away for the big names, but I'm going to go Mickey Ward. Okay, people will see he's a club fighter and stuff, but fuck me, man. If he uncorked that left hook anywhere in your body, liquefying organs, by the way. I mean, fucking hell. Um, I always go back to again. Gatti, man, looked like he was all at sea after getting 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 chinned in that uh, in that ninth round with that left hook and got up to his fucking feet and he's right back to the body again so I'm going to go with Mickey Ward you gotta go right back down to the body yeah um, the fucking uh, the Sanchez one as well for Roy John says someone should pay me to watch this someone is paying <laughs> you to watch this Roy <laughs> <laughs> Roy John's not a bad show for left hook by the way absolutely 
Uh, yeah, yeah, that he is. He was winging them away against the likes of Tony anyway. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya, Oscar another good show. John Kaiser Cobra. Hugh Dossa says Ricky Hatton, absolutely. Uh, Jeff Lacey says Lee the Alcoholic Frog. Well, at a point, his left hook was one of the most feared things in boxing, to a point. <laughs> Jeff, left hook Lacey. And uh, Tommy Hines had a really underrated left hook. And I remember Leonard talking about it, that he used to throw a lead left hook that he couldn't deal with. And he was like, do you know how hard it is? You know yourself, if you've done any kind of training at all, most left hooks are set up off of either a touch upstairs or downstairs first and they get the leverage that way or you set it up with the jab and come off or come off a right hand with it but to lead with it is tough because you're leaving yourself fucking on in a bad yeah. position if you miss exactly like, so, yeah so to have that talent that was fucking serious left hook from Tommy Hines as well Klitschko had a good move at times he would throw the sort of double left jab and then the third left jab would come round as a hook instead I like the way he used to do that and if we're going for body shots as well you know you can left hook to head or body again Mike McCallum who's already been mentioned remember he fought Michael Watson in 1990 it might have been and he just left hooked him all night stopping him in the 10th round so good shouts for left hook imperfect as well as soon as we're not we're going away from Michael Gomez and a brilliant left hook absolutely fucking cracking left hook yeah I saw Alex Arthur about that one yeah, fucking right. Fuck me, man. He could have he, he, he said a tattooed in his face for the fucking full fight. Uh, oh, what a fight that was! Unbelievable. The left hook that derailed a career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so I've put right hook, but what I really mean is overhand right. So, um, I mean, I suppose you could go for Argello again there, Andy. Tommy Hearns mm-hmm. as well. I'm going to go for yeah. Sonny Liston. I think Sonny Liston. Sonny Liston. I, I was going to say Wilder, but considering like the excuses he's making recently, and that uh, he's going to, you know, get kicked out in the street for that. So, um, right hand. Um, think, I think Andy, one of the most famous right hands in recent heavyweight history. Go back to nineteen ninety four, the right hand that changed the course of heavyweight careers. A second incarnation of a great heavyweight losing every round against a steely southpaw comes yeah. up with the big right hand, big George himself. Yeah, he's, he's getting George. battered by Michael Moore. Big, big George. Oh, but see, if I'm going to say George for the for the right for, for the straight right hand, I didn't pick one for the uppercut, so I'm going to pick Big George for the way he knocked out Jerry yeah. Cooney. See, he walked across the ring and just fucking yeah. blazed him with that. So I'm going to say bye, Big George, Big George. I right, go for a Big George. Riddick, Riddick Bowles not a bad show for the overhand right. By the way, guys, that fucking Riddick Big Daddy Bowles overhand right was fucking serious, serious caliber. Mm-hmm. Okay, let us move on. Just making a note of a few of these. Um, left hand MB. Yeah, you can have left straight left hand as well if you want. Yamanaka, David Price says Paul, one, two, three. Yeah, Foreman, Udosa, we got him in the end. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, Matisse, Danny Garcia, good call on the left hook as well. Right, so we are on to inside work. Obviously, Duran would have been, I mean, he's one of the masters of the inside work, isn't he? Um I'm torn between two. I'm only going to say one in case I steal your thunder. I'm going to go for James Tony and the uninside work, but I did have another person in mind. So let's see who you've got. Yeah, I was well. That was the first one in my head, and that because obviously I go back to the the Yarrow fight um, and uh, the fight against the uh, oh, Iran Bartley. Um, again, you know Tony's career wasn't exactly oh, oh you know fantastic to watch and stuff, but when he was in um, in the mood. Um, he was absolutely tremendous. Um, other than fighters, um, Julio Cesar Chavez would be good doing for him. But um, I'm going to say for pure and absolute demit work rate, I'm going to go for the one and only homicide Hank. Henry Armstrong. Henry Armstrong, there you go. There's one from good the past. Sure. 
Good shape. Good shape. I'm going to say, I, I have to comment on Tony. I mean, if you look at Tony's work, there's a brilliant clip online of him showing Caleb Plant how to fight on the inside. And he's saying to him, when you take your back to the ropes, don't wrestle with anyone. Bump him with your shoulder and then throw it right after it. And he shows him just how to do it. And he's seen him do it so many times. Iron Barkley specifically, like trying to back him up to the ropes and get some moments of success. Bumps him off with the shoulder, straight right hand down the pipe, left hook to follow it. And just inside, he was evil, like... You didn't want to be inside fighting James Tony because he had that old Archie Moore, Jersey Joe Walcott, Ezra Charles style where he's just hitting you from different angles. The punches are unorthodox. They're not straight punches. There's big swings, but he's he's accurate. It's uh, He'd be a nightmare. He's hitting you with his head. Nightmare to fight on the inside. And speaking of fellas who will hit you with their head and kill you on the inside, has to have to say Andre Ward. Yeah. Yes, he was my yeah. other one, Rob. You got that. Yep. And see, you do not want to fight Andre Ward on the inside. I was going to leave him for IQ, but ah, you're right. Don't try to fight him on the inside. Too strong. He'll fucking hold you, drain the drain the 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 stamina out of you by holding your arms. Wrestle you. Go and try and wrestle him. Not happening. I rewatched re- that that Kovalev rematch last week or so, and he got. Not about dominate, but you see on the inside that hour, oh, forget it. There was a moment where they're, they're, they're kind of locked in kind of like an arm lock and mm. fucking they're, they're kind of coming back and fucking, uh, what do you call it? Ward's oh, trying yeah. to shut, uh, no, Ward's shoveling kind of left left uppercuts to the body. And then he just fucking moves slightly to the left-hand side and digs a fucking left to the ribs. And Kovalev, you can see his expression just change like, oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. Within a round, man, he was done. He was draining him as well, like wasn't he holding him on the Aye. inside? And you know, Ward. The thing about Ward is, as well, you can mention it with IQ. Like, is he will play the dark arts with you? Like, you know, um, Rodriguez. Is it was it Delvin Rodriguez? Um, perfect example. Like trying to manhandle him. I think it was. Um, what's the referee that refereed Wilder Fury won? Oh, Jack Reese. Reese. Reese was refereeing. He docked both of them a point. But Ward was like, "You want to fucking try and roughhouse me? I roughhouse you. Here's a headbutt. Here's a low blow. Here's a fucking." Hold this wrestling on the inside, and they'll take these straight shots when you try to come on the outside. Like so, I think um, Ward was one of the best in fighters I've seen. He doesn't get the, probably doesn't get the credit for it, but um, one of the best in fighters in the modern era. Okay, there's a fair few then. Let's have a look through the chat, see what the guys are saying. Uh, Take Ames is mentioning Julian Jackson for the right hand, absolutely. Jeff Fennick against Azuma Nelson says Gary Taylor for the inside game. Uh, Mickey Ward's getting a shout out for that as well. Uh, yeah, Andre Ward, BS says he was the one I was thinking of as well. Rob got him as well. Yeah. Okay, so let's go on to Ring IQ then. I've, I mean, there's the obvious ones, isn't there? Like some Mayweather, yeah. you don't get to his stage without having Ring IQ. One I'm going to say actually is Gennady Golovkin. I remember talking to Matthew Macklin. I know I've mentioned this on the pod before, but sure, what odds? And Macklin was just saying about, well, this could come under footwork actually. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just tell the story anyway. Um, the way he moved you around the ring, you know, you were blowing. He had you working constantly. He didn't know which punch was coming next. Every time you thought you were in, you'd uh, got away from him, he trapped you in a corner. So that's maybe a mixture between ring IQ and footwork. So um, I'll come back to ring IQ, actually, then, Andy. I'm, I'm caught oh. between two minds. Who are you going to go for? Well, um, I was just, I was going to just kind of follow what you're saying there. I mean, you can see with Golovkin just putting that educated pressure on, moving about the ring with it, throwing punches. Lomachenko does it as well. Um but I'm going to say you you could mention Ali, Floyd, Hopkins. Um, but I'm going to go, and the reason I'm going to say it is because he changed his style as a fighter, became more exciting, and uh, ended his rivalry with his biggest opponent or his biggest advers- uh, adversary. Sorry, um, over his career, I'm going to say Juan Manuel Mor- uh, Marquez for Ring IQ. That's a good one. Excellent. 
Juan Manuel Marquez then. Go on, Rob, who are you going for? I'm going to push uh, Triple G to footwork. I have another ring IQ. I have a hardcore helmets ring IQ, but before I throw him in, Rob, you go for yours. And the main fields, Wexford there, Rob, you still with us? Maybe he's been taken down. Wrestle to the floor, Andy. Maybe someone's coughing on him as we speak. Uh, he's probably just stepped up. Here we go. There's a... Uh... Oh, we've got two. He's on, he's on twice now. Hey, Rob. Sorry, I'm back there. I had an issue with the headphones. Can you hear me clearly? Aye, yeah, we go, can man. hear you now, yeah. yeah no, so, I'm ring IQ. If you talk ring IQ, I mean, you'd be remiss. I know we're talking about not the perfect fighter, but you'd be remiss to not mention the perfect fighter who didn't just have the ring IQ, but had all the other punches we mentioned as well. Ray Robinson. But just to give examples of ring IQ, and give it his credit. Go and watch the Rocky Graziano knockout with him. And go watch the Randy Tarpin finish. And go watch the Gene Former one. Now, Manny, as I said before, broke down the Gene Former one for me. And had me acted out with him as Robinson while he's Gene Former. But basically, uh, Ray Robinson throws two right hands to the body in, suc in succession. And they talk, call this, this punch the, the, the perfect knockout. Is Ray Robinson retaining the title 50, mid-50s. Um, and... Or early fifties, I'm not sure, but um, he he sets up the shot with two right hands to the body, and he feints like he's going to shoot shoot the right again to the body. And former leans over, and just in a split second, you can just see him twitch the arm to just make it look like he's going back downstairs again. And former just leans over, and in that split second, bang, left hook. And former famously woke up when Robinson was jumping around and said, "What's he jumping around before the fight for?" And his corner said, "The fight's over, Gene. <laughs> he just got knocked out. He never even saw the shot." Then you look at Rocky Graziano knockout. He he danced him around the ring and moved him into a certain position and rehearsed the shot. And then the action continued and he done it again. Brought him around and when he was when his back was trapped on the ropes, uh, left hand right hook, and absolutely cleaned his clock. And against Randy Turpin, uh, the referee Ruby Goldstein was giving him around. So Turpin was you know we talk about fine margins all the time. Turpin was in within one round from having two victories over what you would call a prime Sugar Ray Robinson. Or just cut off in his prime there, Steve. Cut off in his prime, absolutely. We seem to have lost Rob. We do have a friend of the pod, uh, Take Ames, jumping on though to try and help steer the ship. How are you, Ames? Sending okay? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, good to be here, guys. Absolutely good to have you, sir. So you've been following along in the chat then, uh, keep an eye on things, going through the perfect fighter. You went for right hand Julian Jackson. Any other picks for the previous categories? They're just floating past on the screen now. Give you a chance to have a think. Uh, jab, uppercut, left hook, inside work, throwing any that you f uh, see fit. Uh, jab, I went with obviously George Groves, as you mentioned. I love the way George Groves would throw his jab out. It would be clinical with it, be efficient with it. I love the way he used to just pour his hand out for it as well. I put in Golovkin. I like the way he kind of knocks on the door with his jab to enter um, and then kind of pick apart his opponent. Ring IQ, I thought I'd put in maybe Rigondeau. Uh, Rigondeau mm. was a master of being able to fight on his terms, get in, get out, and then not get hit. And then, although it was being boring, he knew exactly what he was doing. So those are my picks for some of the options that you'd, uh, that'd be put out so far. Excellent stuff. Stick with us as long as you want. Uh, Andy, so uh, yeah, Ring IQ, before we go on to footwork... I have a ring IQ I'm going to throw in here. This is a hard core helmet pick, but um, a Russian fighter from the 90s called Yuri Arbachakov. I always Yo, like I watching this guy. 
Excellent flyweight, fight. He was WBC flyweight champion for about 10 mm-hmm. defenses. He was Russian, but he couldn't turn pro in Russia because yep. of, I don't know, it was the fall of the curtain or whatever. So he went to Japan and turned pro there instead. So I've got his box rec up just to remind me because I wouldn't uh, be following him too closely. 1990, he turned pro and he retired in 1997 after he lost to a Thai guy, lost his fight, his uh, title. 10 defenses. He had excellent ring IQ, Andy, this guy. He moved the head. He was so te- yeah. so well schooled technically. Been a while for I watched him actually, but I do remember being very well chiselled, very well rounded. Uh, I can't was a no Olympic champion as well at one point. Yeah, I think did, he was in would he have been eighty eight or something. Eighty eight would be so yeah, possibly. He turned uh, pro in ninety, so I'd say that adds up. It wouldn't be eighty four because if he was Russian, then they wouldn't be going to LA. So I would be so probably. Um, there's actually there's an interesting um, segue here. There's an interesting wee documentary. I think it's on a Transworld Sport. And when he went to Japan, actually, back in, I don't know if it's still the case these days and stuff, but foreigners were actually placed in certain areas. So, like, you had, if you had, like, Russians and Europeans and stuff like that, they were all placed in, you know, some neighbourhood of Japan or wherever it was that he stayed and stuff. Wasn't it quite interesting? But, um, um, not heard much about him these days, actually, but did you know going to politics or something? I'm not sure, Andy. I'm really not. I can't even remember how I heard about him. I think he got put up for the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and that was the first time I heard him. I went to look at his fights, and I I thought he was brilliant. He could punch, too. Mm -hmm. He could punch, but uh, yeah, very, very good fighter. Again, it's just... he goes under the radar because no many people kind of follow the the wee guys, the flyweights and stuff like that, but he was a serious fighter back in the day. He certainly was. Moving on to footwork then. I am, I'm going to pick Golovkin for footwork there. Uh, as I said, he was moving Macklin around the ring. Who are you going for for footwork, Andy? Footwork, um, well, I was going to go for Prime Ali or, you know, back in before uh, his exile, but yeah. I'm actually going to use Ali again at some point. Um, so I'm probably going to go for Lomachenko, I just think, because what we see with him nowadays and that is quite unique. Um, there's no other fighter like him at the minute for footwork. Um, so I think, um, obviously, you know, Duran and Leonard had fantastic footwork and stuff. I mean, Duran you know, was, you know, he's underrated. But again, we're trying to kind of get away from the biggish fighters and stuff like that. So I, I'm going to, I'm, I'm saying Loma, he's a fucking big fighter, but um, Golovkin, good foot movement. Um, Floyd, obviously. Manny Pacquiao, I think, has got underrated foot movement as well because for, for such a wee guy to get into distance and stuff, like, you had to be fucking quick with those feet. Um, uh, who was the one I was watching? Again, as I said, L- L- Lomachenko. When I was watching Campbell uh, first round. He's having a look, having problems trying to get past Campbell's long reach. Campbell's hitting him to hit him to the body, and finally, that Lomachenko decides that he's going to the only way he can get any distance quickly it would be to shuffle the feet forward, double jab, and that's how he got his left hand into play. So yeah, I'm 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 going to I'm going to go with Lomachenko. Lovely job, uh, Rob's back with us. Rob, who are you going for for footwork? Sorry, I just realised I wasn't on mute there. Can you hear me? Because yeah, I can hear you now. Oh yeah, sorry. Where did I cut off there? Because I was gone on a fucking fifteen minutes speech, man. By the end of it, I was like, they haven't stopped me yet. What's going on? <laughs> You've come back quite quiet, Rob. We can only just hear about here. You were okay before you left. Sorry, sorry. How about now? Yeah, we can hear you better now. Well, I don't know where you were, to be okay. honest, but we're on footwork anyway, or ring IQ as well. Might have been one you missed. Well, I was on. Well, basically, I gave a fucking ten minute breakdown on fucking Jake Lamada, Rocky Graziano, <laughs> and Randy Perpin stoppages by uh, by fucking, and I was like halfway across the listening, but I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I actually had said this is one of my favorite episodes. 
ages because we'll get into real technical stuff. So uh, I'm not going to bother repeating it, but basically, if you have, you know, looking for ring IQ, go for Ray Robinson, uh, Rocky Graziano stoppages, Randy Turpin stoppages, Gene Fulmer stoppages, the sea guy setting shots up for the finish in unbelievable fashion. Um, you know, against Turpin, he's given one round when he has a deep cut. And instead of knocking him out, he holds him up. So Goldstein will jump in and stop the fight rather than um, let him take a count and go back to the corner and have the fight stopped on cut. So an absolute genius in the ring. Um, so he's about the best of them. Uh, B-Hop, again, Andy, you gave a good shout on ring IQ. Footwork, you'd have to say Sugar Ray Leonard. Although you look at Leonard's footwork now and you wonder how it would work. Because a lot of his movement was always side to side. You know, he had that kind of side with that style where he was bouncing on his toes and moving side to side. Just, you don't see a lot of it now. You see fellas going back in straight lines or trying to roll shots or shoulder roll defences. You never see really see that kind of... And, like, Leonard used to move in both directions as well. Like, so he was kind of like a fucking... A, a coursing here and there sometimes, like, trying to land on him. Like, uh, So I'd give it to him for footwork, even though we're not going for perfect fighters. So you could probably go with a diet Sugar Ray Leonard, maybe go Meldrick Taylor or... Yeah, fuck it, we go Meldrick Taylor. Yeah, talking of uh, footwork, Rob mentioned something there that reminds me back in the day. I was um, sitting near the corner post while the mighty Ian Timms was boxing. I think it was against Michael Sweeney in the City West. And in the corner, uh, Pascal Collins was doing Timsy's corner. And one of the uh, young corner charges shouts out, as they do, over to Timsy, you know, left jab, left jab, and then and then straight back. And Pascal turns to the young corner guy and goes, no, no, not straight back, side to side, side to side. So just an interesting insight there. You know, um, no straight backs, it's side to side movement. Uh, I've gone for footwork. Ames, who are you going for on the footwork department? Yeah, so I think a lot of the, the names have been ma- mentioned who obviously have brilliant footwork. And I know we're trying to steer away from some of the big names, but one that really comes to mind for me is Canelo Alvarez, um, especially when you look at um, how he's kind of evolved and improved his footwork. Like, for example, when he fought like Trout, Mayweather, especially Lara, he was really flat footed. He was slow. He was plot, uh, plodding and ponderous. And now we've seen him grow into someone who's very much aware of the ring, very much aware of movements and able to stalk, able to switch up his feet to move out the way of his opponents. And the way he's, especially in the in the second fight against Golovkin, the way he was able to move Golovkin around the ring, obviously by being much more front-footed, but I think he showed that um, his footwork has improved and is now up at a point where I think he can be considered as one of the people who's got the, some of the best footwork in the game at, at this point in time. A few shouts out from the boys in the chat as well. Gary Taylor says Hector Camacho had brilliant footwork. He certainly did. On to Hart, then Andy. Um, the classic ones, obviously, the likes of your Gattis and that. You could pick so many, couldn't you? I'm going to go for Eric Morales, which I know is a bit strange because towards the end of his career, obviously, in that third Pacquiao fight, we, you know, he didn't want any more. But it was a guy who had had a, well, you know, he'd gone to the well so many times. I sort of forgave him for that. Eric Morales for Hart is the man I'm going to go for, Andy. Morales, um, um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go for Sad, Sad Muhammad. Um, there's, you know, he was the Gatti of his time, um, and fighters like that are very few and far between. I mean, fuck it. I mean, think about it. You know, fights, the wars that he fought nowadays, man, they would simply would not continue. Simply when they could, you know, fucking imagine Richard Cage fight happening nowadays, man. He'd be he'd be pulled out after the first knockdown. It was that savage. You know, he got up, fucking battled on, and you know. Absolute warrior, so I'm I'm gonna go for absolute heart, Matthew Sad Muhammad. 
Yeah, I'm ashamed to say, as you all know, regular listeners, Saad Mohammed is my favourite fighter of all time, and I, I didn't even think of him. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, he didn't even come to my mind. <laughs> He's the embodiment of the boxer, like you say, showing heart, Andy, just getting yeah. up and constantly going. How could I forget about Saad? But I did. <laughs> Marciano as well, remember? He, 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 um, Against Walcott, the, yeah. yeah. Uh, he got his nose split, literally split in two. It's basically hanging off his face, man, and... To keep to, you, you, see if I, I mean I'm, I'm not the most handsome looking guy, right? Lies, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. If that was me getting my nose split, I'd be like, "Fuck, call it off, dude! I need to go to the hospital. I need to get this fucking fixed." He's fighting for the heavyweight title. That's what makes him different compared to us, though. Yeah. Davy Wilson in the chat says Dan Raphael must have some heart. It's taken a pounding for about forty years. Ah, <laughs> uh, the cholesterol will be building up there, like, oh. Go ahead, Ames. You're going to jump in there. Yeah, I think um, quite a few obvious mentions can be given to you know your Froch and your Gatti. But one I like to put forward for Hart is Amir Khan. Someone I think Buncey was talking about this in the week um, about Amir, and I kind of echo what he's, he was saying. Um, Amir's always when he's got dropped, if he can, he'd always get up. Uh, he showed. I think it's coming to question a little bit in his recent fight with Terence Crawford, but I think he's earned the right at least throughout what he's shown in his career uh, so far, especially in the Maidana fight where uh, it was archetype Amir Khan where you see everything and then, but you didn't see the knockdown because he um, stuck in there, especially that 10th round where for all intents and purposes, it looked like he was pretty much out on his feet, but somehow he's managed to stay up Amir Khan through sheer, sheer grit. Just muted yourself, mate. Sorry, uh, may come through sheer grit or stubbornness or maybe at times uh, ignorance when maybe he should have taken a 10 count and cleared him, uh, cleared his thoughts. Um, always tried to stay up unless you'd Canelo'd him in that sense. Uh, so I put forward a um, uh, mere Khan for Hart as a, an obvious pick. I think that's a good pick. I've always said that Khan, you can't fault him. The guy's bottle. He gets knocked down. He gets back up again whenever he can. He's not short on balls. He showed against the Maidana fight. Um, the guys in the chat have thrown some in here. Editing King says some heart shown in those Marquez Vasquez fights. Yeah, talk about a trilogy. Go and watch um, Rafael Marquez against Israel Vasquez. There's some frigging fights, and Israel Vasquez against uh, Oscar oh, Mario I... as well. Oh, yeah, quite, I... in, quite a few fights involving them boys. Andy went all with three uh... times. He fought, yeah. he fought uh, uh, Vasquez fought Larios three times. I think he got knocked out in the first fight, in, like something like ninety seconds, um, and he fought. He... I say three fights with Marquez. The fourth fight was a fucking shambles. I mean that that cut. I mean he had that much scar tissue over his left eye. Vasquez, <laughs> see when that goes split, you could actually see his skull in his eye socket. It was fucking it was disgusting. So I, I never liked to kind of put that fight out there. Eh? So yeah, but Vasquez, I will, I will agree with that one and Marquez obviously as well. And Rafael Marquez was Juan Manuel's brother, wasn't he? Yep, that was yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jason Chukwu is in the chat. Everybody, Jason Chukwu is in the chat. He has been assaulted. Unfortunately, two hours ago, he's been assaulted. Two guys and two girls, a little bump on the head. Thoughts and prayers with Jason Chukwu. Hopefully he's okay. Rip trousers, rip blazer, but I'm intact with my money and my gear on me. Well, that's good news. <laughs> Chukwu is okay, Rob. Chukwu is okay. Did he keep his weed? I think so. Anyway, uh, we're on to... Uh, yeah, good question. What are we on to? Heart? Chen. Chin, chin. we're on to chin. Oh, we're on to chin now. Have you done heart, Rob? We're going for all the body parts. It come to lover, by the way. It's a toss up between me and Rob. Who's got the best <laughs> lover? 
I'm not sure if Rob's there. One of the guys in the chat, I think it was Lady Alcoholic Frotch, said we should do the worst body uh, components. We'll maybe do that next week. The worst fighters, you know, so Dave Allen and Tommy Tommy Coyle's ribs and oh, whatnot. For fuck's sake, man. Rob's dropped off. Uh, chin. Right on to Chin, then. Uh, Andy, we'll go with you first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll tell you what, sword, man. Or, or yeah. Maybe sword for me. Oh, well, um, anytime I think about chins, I think about the old school. So I'm thinking like Basilio, La Mota, Kid Gavilan. Chavalo. Chavalo, I was going to mention that. Uh, but, but, um, and Hagler, for example. But um, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for Ali. Um, the fucking bangers he fought over his career. And this, you know, fucking, he fought Chavalo, he fought. You know, he, size of his hands, that Chavalo man is massive. Um, he fought Liston twice. He's fucking fought Frazier three times. He fought Shaber's biggest punch in history, probably. Uh, Ken Norton three so times. He, hands he, he bang. Well. Uh, George Foreman banged them up for about seven rounds and fucking smashed them up in one round. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, even even his absolute worst against Berbick. He still hung. He still didn't get dropped. He still hung in there. He still uh, covering up on the ropes. And I know it was sad to see, but there was nobody could take the punishment he could take either on the chin or to, or to the body. He still find a way to win the fight. So I'm going to say Muhammad Ali. Chin, Rob. Also heart. You missed out on heart. So heart and chin, please. Heart. I think Andy mentioned Marciano already, but you got to take anyone from that era that used to cut. Like Graziano uh, as well, Tony Zale, those guys for for steel and balls and heart and courageousness. But Castillo, Jesus Christ! Like I know we're not going for obvious ones, but fuck me, like Castillo, Mickey Ward, Gaddy, heart displayed on a different level. Pazzi ends it to come back from his injuries. Fuck me, you gotta give he's got a he's got a massive heart. Um, you know, plenty of fighters, all fighters display heart to get in there in the first place. But some of them are just. Superb on chains. I'm going to say my old friend James Tony again never stopped. I don't think, um, said nope. the off fights or something like that. So he was granite, like, wasn't he? Hit him with a fucking baseball bat, like, you were knocking him out. Like, um, who was Oliver McCall is a good shout, isn't he? Yeah, he's a bull, wasn't he? The atomic bull, Oliver McCall on the cocaine, having a nervous breakdown in the ring. Have it, but you look, um. Um, he's tough and strong, too big, too strong. For... Maybe you, Rob, in Wexford Town, I Saturday night, rolling I'll the punches. Day, you know. What? No. Ah, let's not worry about it. <laughs> right, okay. Ames, you got a chin for us? Not Amir, yeah. maybe this time. <laughs> no, I can't be Amir this time. Although, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so I have to go with. It's a toss-up between Frotch and Golovkin. I got a lot of recent recency bias here, um, but I think I prompt what a fight that would have been to find out who had the chins of chins in this kind of generation. But um, for me, I'll go with uh, Frotch on the basis that uh, Golovkin's really done well to not get hit throughout his career. Say what you want about the opposition, maybe that's a reason as to why. But uh, Frotch kind of negated the need for defense because he could rely on what he had um, just below his bottom lip, which is his chin and. I think um, he got hit. He's been in so many wars. Obviously, Mikhail Kessler. He'd been in the uh, George Groves wars as well. Frotch got hit with things that would put other uh, fighters down. He was able to come forward uh, and come through it and then recover uh, quite well. 
and come back to win fights. Uh, or, well, if you say he won the first fight with Groves anyway. But I'll go with Carl Froch for a solid chin uh, for this one for me. Excellent. Great shout. Last but by no means least. And I haven't been keeping account of anybody's picks either, by the way. So um, I'm not going to be able to come up with the ultimate kind of fight. Either. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter, Andy. We're just trying to kill the arrows as best we can. <laughs> An hour and a half down already. On to speed, finally, then. On to speed. Well, um, unfortunately, I, I can't even think of like, anybody apart from the big names, the big guys like Roy Jones, Alini's Pomp, um, Mike Tyson, for example, Sugar Ray Leonard. But. Um, I'm going to go for Manny Pacquiao because there was there was a period of time where whereas he was just undeniably the fastest fucking fighter on planet Earth, faster than Floyd, in my opinion. Floyd was a quick counterpuncher, but for in terms of speed, speed of attack, you know, he was he was something else. Overwhelmed you, you know, just non-stop punches. You know, obviously his, his left hand was the fastest shot, fastest shot to the target, and how he chinned Hatton, you know, just bangs off. Fantastic left uh, left hand, but um, yeah, I'm going to say Pacquiao. I've got a couple on my mind. I am going to go for Michael Nunn, and this always Nunn's one of my favourite fighters. But this always sticks out to me on one of the old forums back in the day. Some a guy who had sparred Nunn as an amateur was talking about the sparring session, and he says for the first few rounds, I just cannot describe how fast this guy was. He said he was just hitting me at will. I just couldn't get anywhere near him. Nunn is just the fastest fighter that I was ever in with. This fellow was saying, and watching him in action in the ring. I could well believe that. So Michael Nunn is going to be my pick. But um, I have a little sideways pick, Rapping Rob Kelly. From the 90s, Featherweight, another hardcore helmet one for me. Eddie Hobson, go and look this guy up on YouTube. Eddie Hobson, he could fairly move. I've only ever seen uh, highlights of him, dude. I haven't seen, ever seen his full fight. But um, I'd say Gary Russell Jr. is up there in terms of just pure hand speed. Fuck me, like unbelievable hand speed. A bit of a wanker, like a uh, career underachiever, but... Fucking his hand speed is frightening. Um, Trevor and Leonard, obviously, ever see the footage of him in the Olympics, like where he's just fucking shoe shining someone's head, um, tattooing him with shots, like unbelievable speed, and kept it as he went up as well, um, to a degree up to as he went up the way. Certainly kept it in middleweight when he reigned off a couple of famous combinations off Marvin Hagler's head after five years out of the ring. So, um, he had speed. Meldrick had absolutely phenomenal hand speed. The combinations that he hit Chavez with in the first half of that. Uh, fight absolutely unbelievable raining punches rarely see it like rarely see guys like that so yeah kind of those are the ones that stick out and he said Tyson's a good show for speed as well obviously Ali and Roy Jones man like you know Roy Jones in the Olympics Roy Jones is early career like middle Roy Jones time with James Tony like you know Roy Jones is you can't speak highly enough of him like um and even today I think Eubank put up some footage on on uh, Twitter of them all on the, the speed bag doing the famous Roy Jones routine where they all three of them are on the speed bag at the same time and his hands still look fast as fuck man you know what I mean for an old fella like so he was he was lightning like Ames last but by no means least for speed who are you going for? Yeah again I could probably go with Amir uh, it was absolutely ridiculous uh, the hand speed that Amir was uh, putting out there coming up for the Olympics, especially in like, the early parts of his career, the way he'd uh, put his combinations on opponents. You'd think he'd have two, three, four, uh, five hands going on in there, punching his opponents. But I'm actually going to echo Andy's um, choice here with Manny Pacquiao. And I'm going to add here that the fact that he's still one of the 
um, speediest boxers at, at his age uh, against the competition he's been in against. He's still able to be uh, fast in and out using his combinations. I think it's incredible. And, and with Amir, yeah, with him, you can see he's visibly slowed with uh, Manny Pacquiao. He's obviously he's slowed, but he's, he's still fast uh, at his age. So I'll go with Manny Pacquiao at this one. Excellent shout for Manny Pacquiao. We have created our perfect boxers between us. Thank you to everybody in the chat who has been enjoying that as well. Joe Joyce getting thrown in for speed. A few lols <laughs> from the boys. <laughs> Bad crowd. Bad crowd out there. Right. Yeah, next week I think we'll do the fighter, the worst fighter attributes to make the worst fighter. The Reggie Strickland, the Eric Crumble of the boxing world. We'll come up with that next week. A few more questions before we get to Belly of the Weeks and out of here for episode 369. We're still hanging in there. Uh, rapping Rob Kelly, Ames, Andy, along with me, Steve, boys in the chat, Jason Chukwu. He's telling quite the tale. If you're over on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like button. You might want to look, Andy, at the live chat during the week. Chukwu's telling us about this uh, jacking. It's getting more it's getting more emotional by the by the minute, this story. Was that me got robbed or something like that? Uh, apparently so. They try, I think blades were pulled. There were four people involved. Chukwu tried to throw a few hands. Yeah. He's got a bump on the head. Then he put to sleep. We are products of our environment, I suppose, so he needs to better himself and go out of there. It's rough in those the uh, swingers' paddies, I heard. Fight over some car keys. I chucked with Paul, I fell asleep, though. Trying to get a better caravan, you fucked up. <laughs> Don't be trying to upload that clip onto YouTube, so go relax. Just <laughs> get some clips on here. B BS any, sympathy, any sympathy for Chuck Wu there, Ames? Jason sells his arse on tech. If he's awake, if he's awake, he can have some sympathy. If not, back to sleep. Back to sleep. He's there. Hamid's there as well. Right, yeah, a few points of interest. First of all, wrapping Rob Kelly. Question for you came in from James Windsor over on patreon.com forward slash boxing asylum. He says, Rob, how many times did you think Penel Whitaker lost? I believe all his losses, bar Tito, were wins for him. Ramirez and Chavez were clear for him as well, says James. Um, I think, can you hear me? Yeah, yep. yeah, I think um, Purnell lost to De La Hoya close fight, like he was probably on his best. Um, on the on the he was a cokehead by that point, mate. Of course, he lost, he was on the blow, but you know what I mean. But I didn't think he, he beat Oscar, but it was he gave him a nice work, like he gave him an education that night. I think Oscar learned a lot from that fight and became a better fighter after it. Um, but yeah, you can argue, yeah, Tito gave him his, his decisive loss, didn't he? Like, so. Um, I think he lost. Did he lose one more after that? Maybe I'm not sure, but um, yeah, maybe one. I couldn't disagree with that. Maybe too much. I, th I thought the Delahoya fight was a close fight, but uh, more more like um, a clear winner in a close fight, you know that way. So, um, but I'd have to watch that back. It's a lot. I don't, it's not a go-to fight for me to be honest with you, Delahoya Whitaker. Like, um, I think I watched it after he passed, um, or, or bits of it. But I'd like to go back to it actually and and, and take a closer look. Closer look for Rob Kelly. Uh, I think we'll leave the cruiserweights. I think we'll maybe leave the cruiserweights till next week. Actually, we're motoring on quite well. It's twenty to ten. Got a few more bits and pieces to to hoover up. So I think we'll leave the cruiserweights for next week. Uh, at least we'll have one thing to talk about anyway. Uh, Ames, uh, we asked the boy the boys earlier. Sam Chatwin wanted to know if you had to be quarantined with a current boxer, who would you pick and why? Quarantined with a current boxer, who would you pick and why? Uh, I feel like I'm kind of pigeonholed because you guys have said uh, I lose what like my manliness yeah. if I don't pick up a female. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. I was going to pounce on that one. No judgment, Ames. Come on, you can pick whoever you want. Right. Okay. Um, the the right answer is 
Avril Mathy for me. Um, because just What's Google Avril Mathy. That's the wrong <laughs> answer. <laughs> and then and then come back. Um, but like, if if it, you know, pending, you know, putting women aside and stuff, I'd love to spend some time with Mike Tyson. Um, if I don't get, you know, nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, the guy's got so much, so much stories. The guy's had so much happen to him. You got what, however long this quarantine's for, you could learn so much from him as well. Life stories that Mike's done the, the highs and lows and more lows and more highs. And um, Mike was someone that I'd love to sit down and interview. And it's one of those things where you could sit, I, I get the feeling that you could sit and talk to Mike and you wouldn't need a certain topic. You wouldn't have to go, Oh, you remember this fight? You remember that fight? Because there's so much outside of the ring with Mike Tyson you could delve in upon. Um, so I'd, I'd love to get the opportunity to sit with Mike. So outside of Avril Mathy, it'd probably be Mike Tyson as the boxer I'd pick um, for quarantine. Avril Mathy, eh? Avril Levine coming up on my search. Let's have a look at this Avril Mathy then, shall we? He'd yep. fuck you till you love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, can see, I can see where he's coming from with Avril Mathy there, Rob. Put, put, put the tablet chat and let us see it. Let us no, I've done it on my laptop. I'm not I that technically. What's her I'll name? Pull it, I'll pull in the I chat. Avram, I'll pull in the, the chat. One Sorry, I, lo- I love to see the VHS. I was trying to find it everywhere on YouTube, and I cannot find it. There's a Sky broadcast with an interview with Adam Smoot with Mike Tyson. Might have been before. It might have been after the Lewis fight or before the Lewis fight. But he's one on one with Tyson. <laughs> Tyson's behavior. Super worried at the time. Completely paranoid and going on these rants. And he goes to Adam Smith. What would, what would Jesus say if he was here with me right now? Would Jesus sit down with me and smoke a joint with me? He goes, goes to Adam Smith and he's waiting for a dead serious answer. He's looking at him, man. So either Adam Smith or Ian Dax, whoever it was, completely fucking shit it anyway. But that was, what, that was the quote. What would Jesus would say if he was here right now? Would he sit down and smoke a joint with me? And just fucking, just looks at him like, oh, man, absolutely menacing. Like, Good uh, shout on that one, Ames, by the way. I've just checked it. I remember her new actually at a weigh-in. Remember, Ames, though, Tyson doesn't do, normally do interviews unless he fornicates. Yeah, she's there. I see better up there. You know, unless there you want to, you should stay quiet. <laughs> Steve, get the one at the way in. I'll have a look for it now. We've got one for you here, Andy, actually. One of the boys in the chat has said, um, surprised Andy wouldn't want to be quarantined with AEB. Well, it's funny you should mention that, Andy, because we got called out by Jamal TMT, over on Twitter, he said, uh, at Steve Wellings, Bellew of the Week for that bitch-ass motherfucker Andy Patterson on Yule's podcast. Fuck that fool. Always running his mouth on AB, four-weight world champion. Respect my nigger, period. At Adrian Broner. Yo, Steve Wellings, you ignored me. He's had a wind up him. He's had a wind yeah, up. That's a, that is a troll, that's man. A they, that. Nobody messaged me about Broner. The people who messaged me about Broner, are, Broner sorry, are all on the same side as what I'm on. Fuck that. <laughs> no what you know Jesus Christ man Adrian Broner listen I, I didn't up, honestly I didn't up stabbing him <laughs> I would because you know he's got a tribe of kids imagine imagine, imagine being in the house with him a tribe of fucking kids right and he's going off on fucking Instagram oh I'm retired no I'm not I'm retired I got all the money bitches I got all the slags shut the fuck up man yeah, so uh, yeah, I, wish I, I wish I'd seen that tweet so I could actually block the cunt. But uh, no, unfortunately, everybody who messaged me about fucking AB, baby, they're, they're all in agreement. So you need to up your troll game. That's what it is. Up your troll game. I want to do a few shout outs to things I've been watching during the week. 
Um, Rummy's Corner, a few people have put me in contact. Well, not put me in contact, but told me about this guy's channel on, um, <clears throat> excuse me, on YouTube, Rob. Might be worth you going and checking it out. He does a lot of sort of history of the heavyweights. And up this week, he put up a one-hour interview he'd done with Emmanuel Stewart about five out of five years before Emmanuel died. And he's reconditioned the audio over the the phone and that. And Emmanuel goes through the heavyweights in history. Jack Dempsey, Marciano, Lewis, Ali, answering everything. It's really interesting. Rob, Rummy's Corner. Go over and check it out. I would, I would highly recommend it. I saw that come up with any suggestions, actually. So I haven't got time to sit with it, but I'm definitely going to check that out. Yeah. I'll be right up my street that down. Also, Ames. I was just Sorry. going to say, Andy, to Ames there about full boxing broadcast, something you put yeah. me onto. It appeared on my feed this That's week. And I, I was going through the uh, Va- uh, Fernando Vargas versus Felix Trinidad card featuring Christy Martin, a bit of Ricardo Finito Lopez, and a bit of William Joppe. And I know your fan Ames of the old full bro- boxing broadcasts. You're on mute, mate. Maybe he agrees. Do you like him, Andy? Do you watch him? You can't beat Vargas against uh, Trinidad. Great fight. You can't. Uh, but as I say, I've been looking through it. So I've actually been saving a few of my watch later list and stuff. I think because um, a few of them were actually um, merged British shows with, with American shows. I think Hatton was on one. And then obviously it had the back end. You had the Oscar fight on it as well. So there's a few I've got saved and stuff. So I need to go and check and see what ones I've got. Now, I haven't had a chance to look through it because it says the last full show I watched was Camacho against uh, oh, fuck. Edwards. Was Edwards. And it had Edwin, uh, Edwin Rosario beating Livingston Bramble in undercard. So that was the, the, the full card I've watched so far. But yeah, get on that. Get on that YouTube channel because it says it's got like over... It's got videos like over an hour and a half long. You'll get full cards, HBO, Showtime, Sky, BT, old nice. school fights and that as well. Like, get on it. Get on it, indeed. <clears throat> Excuse me. The old voice is starting to go. I think we might have to finish up soon. Just before we do so, I was going to ask Ames this, but he seems to have disappeared. He's had a good run, though. Uh, credit to him to come in, for coming on. Uh, yeah, Ben Thorns, Andy. He's talking about um, the old Triple G versus Canelo rematch. So he said, whenever anyone on the pod speaks about Triple G Canelo, it's basically become accepted that Triple G won the first fight and Canelo won the second fight. I ask that you and the boys watch that fight back. I've seen it three times now, says Ben Thorns, and I have Triple G winning by two points every time. It was another shite call in favour of the cash cow, but for some reason it's become accepted as a legitimate decision, probably because it was far less of a robbery than the first fight. Watch it back and decide again, says Ben Thorns. So I'm going to take his advice, Andy. We spoke mm-hmm. about this before, haven't we? Picking a yeah. fight and then sort of dissecting it the week after if we become desperate for content. So if you yeah. want to respond... To Ben's point there, I will watch the fight and report back next week. Yeah, I've tried to do the same. Actually, I had the uh, Golovkin winning the first fight. Um, the second fight was far closer. Both were good fights, by the way. And he's right. I think we should go back and watch him because obviously one was one was voted fight fight of the year. Uh, it was the second fight actually voted fight of the year. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go back and watch those fights. Um, as I said, I think I thought Canelo just shaded the rematch. A draw, definitely. Um, well, oh, if, if you go back to our, our post fight on the first one, none of us had had Canelo win, and we all had a seven five at least for Golovkin for the rematch. No way, for the first fight, for the first oh, for the first fight, fight all, right? We we all nobody could. We, me and you said at the time you cannot find six rounds for this fella. But I remember saying at the time Canelo wins the rematch, 
and he's going to win it in the centre of the ring. And Golovkin left it too late. Like, he didn't get on the jab quick enough. He was, whatever it was, he was too tentative about committing in the first half of the fight. He was afraid of what was coming back. Canelo got his attention with the speed of the shots and he was holding the centre of the ring and he was putting Golovkin on the back foot, making him uncomfortable. And I think Canelo was the clear winner in a close fight in that second one. And I watched it recently, so I'll leave it to you to watch it. And no what do you think next week, I'll get a couple of scorecards put out for that one, but yeah, um, I need to rewatch it again. As I say, I've, I've rewatched usually against Bellu, Lomachenko, Campbell recently, like recent memory fights and stuff, and it was good to go back and watch them to see how because it's the first time I had a chance to go back and watch it since I watched it live and done the podcast, so I've never got a chance to really go back and watch it. So, yeah, these two I'll need to go and watch. And obviously, me and Steve's working on our punches for the past episode for this Friday as well. So. Absolutely. Aims uh, Triple G Canelo too. Uh, but as you dropped off there, Ben Thorne sent in a question saying he believes strongly that uh, Triple G still won the second fight. And even though it, it's a, you know it's sort of common knowledge across the the airwaves now that maybe Canelo got it. Is it a case, Aims? Do you think possibly that because Canelo did something completely different, maybe people didn't ex- expect him to stand as long as he did. He was getting credit for that. Or, but I, I, I can't remember at the time how I had it scored. I thought that Canelo might have nicked it, but I'm going to go back, Ames, and re- rewatch that rematch. But I'm interested to feel to to hear, sorry, how you actually scored it. Yeah, so um, I'm I probably put as a disclaimer at the start to say that I'm a I'm a Golovkin fanboy. I'll say that straight out of there. So. Fair enough. Take take what we want from from how I saw it. So um, the first fight, obviously, I, th- I saw Glovkin winning. I couldn't see a, a case for Canelo winning, and I've watched that fight multiple times. And I, I was really upset actually with the whole kind of. I think it was the first fight where Max Kellerman kind of comes out with the whole. Uh, the story of the fight was that Glovkin did not knock out Canelo. Um, this, that, and the other to kind of almost overshadow the fact that Golovkin wasn't given the win. And obviously this fight was scored a draw. I really didn't like that. But in terms of what you're saying about, you know, what happened in the fight, it kind of was, kind of was like a little bit of a switcheroo in that um, Canelo essentially done what Golovkin did to him in the second fight and just got the, got the good side of the victory. And I didn't see Golovkin, uh, I didn't see Canelo, sorry, winning that fight at most. I could probably have seen it as a draw and that was being kind of generous, at least for my eyes. And I think it's really interesting that, after the aftermath of a fight, if you see that fight both in favour of Golovkin, it's never really reflected in the kind of pound for pound rankings because um, if you if you take that Canelo has two losses, but you then still put Canelo above Golovkin, uh, I don't quite understand it. Yeah, fair enough, Golovkin hasn't done anything since, but uh, it's a very strange dynamic in that people will see readily that Canelo's won those two fights, but then won't. Uh, place Golovkin above him but yeah I, I saw Golovkin winning and I think I still even if I still watch that fight again uh, I think I'd still see Golovkin winning I'll admit that maybe I'm probably a little bit biased on this and I, I'm looking at Golovkin and trying to score those points as such but that's that's how I saw the fight and um, I, I, and this coming on to I know it's not part of the point but I'll add in here I don't want to see a third fight uh, at all um, because really? can I see can I see someone can I see someone knocking out Canelo? Can I see Golovkin knocking out Canelo? No. Do I see Golovkin get the decision on the cards? No. So why would I want to see, apart from maybe in the sense that I know a fighter out like is going to get a payday, what, why else would I want to see him fight in a fight that I know he's going to lose? Because you're a fan, him, and that's the reason why you didn't want to see it again. Yeah, and as well as that, like I think, honestly, 
and I can see an argument both ways. Well, whatever, like you can make a you can make an argument for each fighter, but to me, I thought Canelo won it clearly enough. But I thought that was that he, I said before that I thought he got old against Jacobs. His last great performance was Canelo one, where he should have he was robbed of a, a just win. But the second fight, he, something was starting to go like it was something. It was, well, it was just starting to go a little bit like you could see it when you watch it back. You you see it. Like, what did you, games? What do you think of the the Derevchenko fight? Because I I thought you could see it there more clearly that he's lost a step. The hands are no really working like they should or used to work. And I know he, he laid a bit of a beating on Derevchenko, who might not even be the same fighter after it. But I just thought there was clear signs, especially. And I agree with Robert. I thought Jacobs maybe just shaded the, the their fight, but um, the clear. I think the I think the Derevchenko fight showed that there is clear signs now that he's. Diminished and he's slower. I can definitely accept that, but then I also put part of it as being like when you step up the levels, you're you know, when you're fighting your Daniel Gills of the world and Matthew Macklin's no disrespect to them, you're able to show much more of yourself because you're the dominant one. And as you get up higher up the ranks, um, you're fighting better quality fighters. And I think that kind of showed with Jacobs and Devrinchenko as well. So I think, um, they were tough for opposition in that sense, but then. Yeah, I can I can definitely agree that Golovkin's definitely aged. He's definitely slowed down. But then again, this is an age slowed fighter who absolutely mashed up Derevchenko's face. Uh, so um, I I can't really measure where he's at. He's definitely yeah, it, sure he's on the slide, but um, I just, I just don't want to see that Canelo fight. I really don't. Um, the other thing as well is by the time we get back to normality, whenever it comes, not well, you know, yeah. it, it, it might it might even it, it'll be another year possibly, you know, mm-hmm. and. Yeah. He could be washed by then, you know. Yeah, like for me, um, yeah, I think he gets stopped in the third fight. Quite possibly. I just want to. I would like to see uh, Golovkin in just fun fights. I'd love to see him a fight against Eubank Jr. because I think it'd be absolute war, loads of fun. But for Canelo, for me, they're not interested. Thing is, though, Ames, I'm sure the zone they're pushing for it, aren't they? It's not contractual that Canelo has to take it, but they're going to look on their investment and say, "What are we paying Golovkin here? Ten, twelve million dollars? Plus, he has some kind of um, equity or whatever it is in the company. They're going to want a return on that because they bought him for that Canelo fight. Nothing more, nothing less." Canelo and Golovkin both. Canelo and Golovkin both. They paid a lot of money for him. I know Golovkin's uh, faced a lesser position uh, since that zone deal, um, but yeah, that. I suppose money-wise, they're the most they're the biggest names that they could face off against each other to bring the most eyes back into the zone. So yeah, in that sort of sense, that fight makes perfect sense. But um, money is obviously the the bottom line here. So yeah, it probably will get made, and yeah, Canelo might get the knockout, but it's not for me. It, bearing that, though, like Andy says, you know what? When it comes down to the fight in the ring, what's to happen? Maybe I will end up tuning in just to watch my fight fighter finally fade away, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't mind seeing it. I think Golovkin slipped, but as Ames mentioned there, it, I'm not sure how far he slipped, but by the time this comes around, the, the cards are definitely going to be stacked in um, Canelo's favour. Anyway, uh, moving on from one fantasy fight to another, Andy. Uh, Ryan Deal says, fantasy fight time. <laughs> you wait till you hear this one. I, I think you'd rather take swimming lessons off Michael Barry more, Andy, than, oh, than entertain oh. this monstrosity. Oh, <laughs> no. Is that casual? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, um, Ryan Deal ain't no casual. He's on the ball here. What about Avni Yildirim against Vinny the Doorman, Andy? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm going to go for Kitsuzi. Um Yeah. Um, 
I was actually, I actually read his uh, police report or no, whatever it was. You know, Hang on, let me report. stop you. Let me stop you. Avni Yildirim against Vinnie the Doorman. Oh, sorry, I thought you said Kurtzidze. Sorry, Avni <laughs> no. Yildirim against the Doorman. Even um, worse. Fucking hell. Uh, that's a old pony. I better put it to the side there. Yeah, you sit there. Now. Um, fucking hell. Well, Steve, you don't want to pick Yildirim to fucking win the, win the Super Series and stuff. So, um, yeah. I, I'll tell nah. you what, someone's face is going to get punched in, aren't they? Now, you'd imagine um, Yildirim is probably slightly the better boxer. Vinny probably holds more power. I would... Uh, Yildirim I'm, on points, I'm, maybe? I'm going to say Vinny because he's a bigger, bigger guy. Probably outwork him as well. And is he no more a middleweight, uh, Yildirim? What the fuck have I come back to? Have any <laughs> Yildirim against Vinny the doorman, Rob? We're scraping the barrel now, like... <laughs> I mean, professional here to answer the question seriously, but I'm like, nah, fuck this shit. COVID-19 questions there, fucking <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ryan Deal, uh, listener and uh, Patreon subscriber. Uh, Holt said, I forgot Matty Askin's right. retired. Don't blame him after the Akoli fight, but say, uh, but I'm sad as I felt he had a lot more to give. I was going to throw that one to Ozzy. Uh, hopefully Ozzy will be back next Sunday. So, react, yeah, come on, come fuck me, man. Coming up next Sunday then, Andy, we've got a few things on the agenda now. Then we've got the uh, Triple G versus Canelo rematch to watch and report back on. We've got the Cruiserweights, which we will do next week because we're going on to Bellew of the Weeks now and out. Uh, Michal Reedy, friend of the pod, has also sent in another round of WBA champion or serial killer. So that's something to look forward to next week. You'll have to get um, looking up on your WBA champions. And also I think we'll go with Lee Frotch's putting together the worst fighter as well. Uh, Jason Chucker is still in the chat there. He's not getting any better, old Jason, unfortunately. Anything to add in, boys, before we move on to Belly of the Week? Speak now, episode 369. Yeah, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Chukwu. Andy, how could you? Like this. Poor Chukwu, for fuck's sake, you've got to get knifed up, man. We're talking about this is Scotland, man. This is Scotland's a blade capital of the world. That's true. We, we, we take knives to gunfights, man. No other way around about. Ah, Jason, we feel for you. Right, everybody, Belly of the Week, episode 369, before we finish up for another week. Um, I want to get your opinion briefly, Rob, actually, on this first Belly of the Week nomination, because you weren't on when we discussed this at the beginning of the show. Uh, Suat has nominated Belly of the Week for Fat Dan getting glassed and released from ESPN. They must have found the brown envelopes from a rival streaming network. Are you sad, Rob, about Fat Dan getting the can? I don't give a shit, man, because I don't listen to a word Fat Dan has to say. Like, ever since he tried to discredit Redondo and Ward in such a fucking biased fashion, him and Steve Kim, to say this kind of shit that he said over fighters, about fighters over the years, like I always thought he was just a big hack and he's proved that over and over so I don't give a shit about what Dan Raphael says, I don't care what network he's on because I won't be watching any of it, so unless I unfortunately run into him on a broadcast or something like but even like those when Coogan and all their interviews, I don't fucking watch Dan Raphael interviews that often Unless I can, unless there's absolutely fuck all else to watch, like I'm not going to be down on the list, put it that way. I wouldn't be breaking an appointment or anything, as Dave Chappelle said about meeting Michael Jackson. I would have to already be free. <laughs> there we are. Well, you're doing nomination for Dan. Also, Andy, we were speaking about this during the week. Uh, Guillermo Quitondo 
has nominated uh, Sam Maxwell, whoops, boxer, yes. punches himself while, while showing out to throw an uppercut. We could have put him in for uppercut in our, in our fantasy fighter. Oh, man, he knocked himself out. Hey, uh, that was, was one of my nominations, actually. It was tremendous, you know, so he's basically showing us how he can... Uh, and I always, I always hate in the gym that, you know, the fucking, like, the heavy bag and that. Throw the uppercut. Dude, what the fuck am I going to hit? You know, it's, well, you throw it and just, you know, just use your elbow to hit the bag and that. I says, well, fucking right, okay. But this guy, holy fuck, man. I said, punched himself, took a knee instantly, and within minutes, he's got a fucking black eye and he's, he's mate saying, how's it look? Dude, ain't going to lie to you, bro. I says, that's in a bad way. Fuck. Even I showed, showed it to the wife, she was pushing herself laughing, by the way. <laughs> Aye, early Max. nomination, yeah. yeah Sam, Sam Maxwell, Max. absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Danny Young has thrown one in the chat there. I haven't been watching Big Tone on the TV, but he says, Steve, you need to add Big Tony Bellew for Bellew of the Week for getting beaten up by eight people when he is only allowed to defend himself and then KO'd John Fashion. Who aims? Have you been watching anything of Tony in action on Channel 4? No, I've, I've not seen any of Tony on the TV at all. I've, I've been leaving him alone. About time somebody did. Just leave him alone. He's been nominated for his own award anyway. I tell you what, it might be the failure of the week soon because we'll be coming to him later. He's on. He's starting to approach Tony did levels. I, did I just hear that right? The Tony Bellew fights on Fashnu on the SAS show. What the fuck? Can you leave him alone, John Fashnu? Don't be trying to hit him with the big elbow. Big Fash to bash. Fucking hell. What happened there? No. Justin Fash liked that up the ass. Will, will you stop um, tuning into Channel 4 and leave him alone? <laughs> Stop turning it on. <laughs> you turn me on. Leave alone. Available on four on demand if you want to catch up. But just leave yeah. him alone. Just leave him alone. Uh, Sean Stevo and Terry Woodfine were getting stuck in on Clarissa Shields. Uh, Shields um, said, shut the fuck up right in to me. And a Muppet has strings, not a puppet, says Clarissa, because they were calling her a puppet. Nobody is controlling me, you stupid fool. Shawnee Stevo is confused. Is it not a puppet that has strings? Well, Clarissa says it's a Muppet, and that's good enough for me. She'll kick your ass if you're not careful. Here we go. Anthony Fowler getting stuck in on Devin Haney and his comments. Prime Tyke Meissen has nominated Fowler. Um, Trading Leather Boxing has nominated Devin Haney. Quite a few similar ones here. Andy. You've nominated a boxing scene here. Anthony Joshua would be willing to fight Tyson Fury behind closed doors. One thing I'll say about this, we've got the main man in the top corner here, Bean, looking over proceedings, and he was talking about possibly taking a fight to China. They're not one bit slow, then. They'd take a fight to Epstein's Island if it made any money. They are sounding the public out about these fights because they'll go to China in the drop of a hat. In fact, I would venture they'd probably prefer to go there because there'd be more money. Yeah, oh, I don't even know if it's open for business. I wouldn't believe anything they fucking... Chinese say or anyway. see or the venue, you know what I mean? Yeah, but there was talk about Joshua going to the Bird Nest Stadium in uh, Beijing a couple of years back, possibly mm. against that fucking fat, that tall Chinese heavyweight. Oh, you Gang, yeah. Gang yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, something along those lines. But mm, I, I, I really don't. I mean, the end of the day, so who's going to fucking go to it? I mean, the Chinese can't afford fucking tickets to go to that shit. I mean, you ever seen some of the football games that go on over there? Played in fucking hundred thousand seater stadiums with fucking two thousand fans, isn't it? Imagine me fucking Ching Chong a Chinaman turning up fucking like. Oh, do you remember, <laughs> do you remember when Bob Arum was going to take over China, and he, he had oh, an idea that they were Zhu all going to play like a dollar each, and he was going to get four million buys. Zhu Shiming, fucking Zhu Shiming. I watched him in Shu Kimura the other night. There actually, he was shit. Absolute shit. Even he was a two-time gold medalist. That was another one actually. Maybe put him in the list for next week. The worst fighters of all time. Xiao Jiming. 
jumping in there, Rob? No, thought he was going to go in on Jushiming then. Not on my watch, everybody. Not on my watch. Uh, Anthony Fowler is having a go at people clapping for carers on Westminster Bridge. Talk about defeating the object, says Fowler. I think you mean <laughs> defeating the purpose of his own tweet, says Joe Kennedy. A good one there. Cocaine Dawkins. What about this then, Ames? This is right up your street. Sky Sports Boxing have been having a whale of a time lately. Fantasy Fight. Lomachenko versus Nassim Hamed in their primes. Who would win? I think they're trolling a bit here, aren't they, the boys? So I must start, I must I'm actually reading this this late one that came in here. Sorry, mate. On you go. No, it's all right, Andy. I was throwing one to Ames, actually. I was just referring to the fact that uh, Lomachenko against Nassim Hamed, fantasy fight, in their primes, Ames, who would win? Sky Sports are asking the big questions. Ames is fighting with the mute button at the minute. Right. Ames versus mute. He's asking, if, well. he's asking if he can hear him, but no, we can't, mate. You're on mute yeah. if you can hear us. The curse of the old stream yard. I'm bringing the technical issues over with me. Like a WBC champ. A quick one from you and that, Andy. Sky Sports are trying to get a few clicks, aren't they? Lomachenko, Nassim Hamid. That's not something we should be seriously talking about. I know. I know these fantasy fights are fucking hard at the best of times and stuff. But um, I think uh, I think uh, I think Lomachenko has his way with me, boring way. And I was never a big Nas fan. It's not purely based on his antics and stuff, but it's everything else. You know, the fundamentals. You know, if you could take the power away from him, what would they have? And I think, I think Lomachenko would have worked him out in the end anyway. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great entertainer, great puncher, did everything right, but uh, Lomachenko would have uh, danced uh, a merry dance around he him. Might, he uh, might have, but I tell you what, it would have been interesting. Uh, if you could land... Uh, Spectacle, man! What a build-up! That would be unbelievable. Like, so that would be. I'm not altogether mad. I'm not going to shit on Sky completely with that one. I think that's a good matchup. If you're going to match up fighters with a clash of styles alone, like, it's worth watching that one. Like, because you see how Lomachenko works out, fellas. Like with slick styles, Linares. How would he do it with a guy that's so unorthodox? Would he struggle even? Like, would it look? And if, as Andy says, if Hamid can land on him, like, what's he, can he take it like a featherweight? So. It's not altogether a mismatch, like, I don't think. Ames, you're back with us. I had to mute you because you were making a case for Nazim knocking out Loma early. Do you explain? <laughs> uh, yeah, the prince would have his way with uh, Lomachenko, is how I'd see it. Now, um, they've, they've been doing this, haven't they? Quite quite a few outlets have been doing these fantasy fights. And there was one a couple of weeks back, which, is, which was, like, egregious. It was someone who'd not done anything against uh, one of the legends of the sport. I can't remember who it was. The names escaped me, but... Uh, for this fantasy fight, yeah, I'd go along with Lomachenko as well. Hamid at that highest level, um, when he when, obviously when he fought Barrera, just uh, took a bit of a schooling. And uh, we were saying on punches, uh, not punches, not punches of the past, but on the Patreon, um, Hamid's brother was in the um, crowd scouting out uh, Barrera and Morales, wasn't he, in the first fight? And uh, yeah. that report must have gone to Nassim Hamid, and Hamid must have just poo pooed it, and uh, obviously been uh, dealing with. Um, yeah, Nazim, not listening. What are you thinking about the carpets and stuff and the ring walk exactly, maybe Ames yeah. was on his mind? Exactly. Um, so I think he would have taken to Lomachenko the same, uh, seen the Matrix, thought I could do that a bit better and uh, would have taken the schooling again. Do you remember uh, Ian Dart losing his fucking shit over his uh, his Halloween entrance 
with the graveyard, the back, uh, back end of it and stuff. Who's he fighting? Was it Wayne McCulloch? I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't, no, it was, Wayne, it was the Wayne McCulloch. It was a fight in America anyway, and fucking Dark was raging because he had like the tombstones and the skeletons and all that sort of shit. Obviously, there was a bit of gimmick in that, but you know, this was offensive to, to Ian Dark. Yeah, Saying Hammond. that though, like no one does entrances like Hamid anymore. Hamid's entrances are like iconic, and I don't think that's kind of followed through in this kind of. Well, era Fury, Fury had a good a good go at, uh, at the mm. Wilder rematch coming out on the. Uh, he even had women carrying him as well. Can you imagine? I'm surprised with any fucking <laughs> stramash about that, you know. Naz was consistent though, wasn't he? He did a good job mm-hmm. each time. You got Javonta Davis has done a few good ones, but they need to build up a body of work, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's build up the body of the work for Belly of the Weeks, episode 369. Trading Leather Boxing has nominated Anthony Fowler, putting up a video of when he beat 5-0-3 Jay Byrne to watch this guy said this. Yes, Danny, it, was, it wasn't exactly Foch versus Kessler, says Trading Leather Boxing. That probably was better than I read it out. Apologies for butchering that. Uh, butchering this, Andy. Justice for Frez. It goes on. Oh, yes. Must be about 60 by now, but the WBA regular plight worsens. Uh, worsens? A Quendo wins char case. This guy is trying to write as if this is a bad thing. What's going on? Um, uh, justice for Frez, mate. I mean, he's been at the ring now for how long now? Six years since he fought Shaggy or whatever <laughs> it was. And he is still in the running for a WBA world, sorry, a Panamanian world title fight. Right? This, 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 this is incredible. So just so, eh, no Suleiman, what do you call him? Mendoza, just do him a favour. Email him a fucking title like fucking Suleiman did for fucking Haney, all right? Could and Devin Haney not just forward his on? You know the way you press that little arrow and it forwards oh, things on? <laughs> as I say, you can become the fucking WBA PDF Adobe Reader champion or something like that. I don't know. W- or the WBA High Court champion. Just fucking game something. He's not going to be fighting again anytime soon for fuck's sake. He's shite as well. <laughs> something um, something will be happening though because I've, I've been reading a bit into that and I think uh, the uh, other party that obviously Frez is uh, in My with, yeah, they've got 45 days to answer to Frez's complaint. So something hopefully will finally get resolved. In the coming days, am I right in saying though this fight was actually with the purse bids previously, and then the purse bids wasn't even fulfilled because at, nobody at fucking bid on it? At least yeah. once, I'm pretty sure, yeah. But nobody bid on it, I don't think. Or no, Trevor Bryan's I'm... floating about in the background as well, isn't he? Then no, but then the channel get them for drugs. The new drug test, and they got shot as well. Oh, yeah. got shot. He got shot at a Turkish kebab shop. I remember. <laughs> For fuck's sake, he did. Fucking go shot the start, remember? Bloody hell. Wasn't Teppo, was he? Do you remember him? Erkin Teppo. Oh, I heard him. Should get him in the mix. Peds. Right. Uh, Devin Haney makes a racist comment, says six niche nine, and Anthony fucking Wolverine Fowler comes out of yes. it looking even worse. Absolute parody at this point. Fowler's been having an absolute mare. And fair play to O'Hara Davis. He's been doing some some high-quality trolling on Fowler as well, hasn't he? And the, the question has come up once again, which we all know the answer to. O'Hara Davis was thrown under the bus. If it was a more high-profile guy who had more uh, earning potential, sold more tickets, was of more use, he wouldn't have been dealt with the way he was. And Davis has a bit of beef. beef. He has a bit of grit between his teeth, Andy. And I think he's got every right to, to be honest. Yeah, as I say, it was about a point he'd been used up by Eddie, didn't he? I mean, he, he'd, he'd mouthed off for a Taylor fight, got handled, and then he came out with the sun comments, and then you know, basically kind of cast aside of used to no cunt. Um, yeah, MTK, I suppose, will look after him. 
But um, as as far like say where he, you know where he's going to go in that um, European level would be very very generous to be saying that like. Hmm. Uh, you can't put on a scale what people are saying. Some people are coming off with things about areas, about race, about this, that, and the other. You can't put it on a sliding scale, really. But um, you know, it's it's not. You can't take the moral high ground here and not take the moral high ground there. So I think O'Hara Davis was uh, wrongly done to, and I like the way he's been trolling Anthony Fowler. So I'm yeah, well, Anthony Fowler's coming up my no- one of my nominations, but end of the day, boxing's full of hypocrites. End of the day, you know, we've yeah. all done it. We've all, yeah, we've all done it, you know. Ourselves included, exactly, exactly. Uh, Kevin Chase nominated uh, Devin Haney, a twat trying to be like B-Hop. We all know how that ended up. Uh, Amir Khan, our hero, hashtag Muhammad Ali. He then put up a picture of Ali... <laughs> Uh, hitting someone, I haven't got quite the screenshot, but I think uh, Khan's hitting Devon Alexander. Stephen at Huggy963, nominating that one. Uh, what else have we got? I think that is all the ones that I have. Yeah, Fowler, he's, um, oh, he's hey. going to be my pick, but uh, nominations, Andy, here you go. Oh, wait a minute, I've got a good one for Fowler. Like, but uh, say Sam Maxwell, as, as I say, <laughs> Devon Haney for that wee rap lyric, Rob. I thought you might want to maybe get this copyrighted. I am not a racist. I will never be racist. I'm chasing greatness. Undefeated. Uh, obviously, as well, he, he tweeted it as well. He says, I've just had a very positive... So this is Devon Haney, sorry. I've had a very positive conversation with Mauricio Suleiman, president of the WBC, and confirmed to him directly my commitment to be a role model and absolutely rejection of discrimination of any kind. Well, you just had your boss felt me, man, but you should have stayed true to your word and say, look, I wasn't being racist. So, you fucking missed a trick there. Uh, Rick Glazer, by the way, he knew, he's obviously happy as fuck that Dan Raphael has been fired or sacked. He's new writing for BoxingScene.com. I just found this out literally five minutes ago that that fat Dan's at BoxingScene.com now, right? So it's interesting. Steve Kim, who worked for Boxing Scene, goes to ESPN. Fat Dan goes for ESPN down to Boxing Scene. So interesting development there. But anyway, so uh, he's happy that that uh, you know the you know, the guy who's outgrown his own skeleton is uh, is working for a website now, right? So uh, this guy, Fat Stevie De La Glace, right? Booking agent. No many followers on Twitter and stuff like that. Fucking sends a screenshot. A fucking Rick Glazer's tax returns for the IRS for the last six years. <laughs> holy, holy, holy fuck. So, apparently, Rick Glazer, who likes the glass people, is in the hawk to the IRS to the principal sum of $138,734.34 to the IRS since 2004 to 2009. <laughs> so, uh, Richard S. Glazier got glassed off uh, Fat Stevie De, De-, De La Glacier on Twitter. Um, my final nomination goes to Anthony, uh, Anthony Fowler. This one goes in for Ricky Gra- uh, Gravel, Steve. I think you got added in there. I don't know if you spotted it yet. <clears throat> but it's a, it looks like a Facebook, no, it's either a Facebook uh, chat or a Twitter chat, DM chat, but it looks like So the adventures of Super Stefan. So I think Stefan's a young lad and he's got some sort of disability or something like that. Sorry, I didn't know what the situation is. Apologies to anybody who knows him and stuff. I'm not giving the, the full due and attention, but it's just been sent to me. So it reads, someone's notifying the family basically on, on Twitter as to what's happened here. So it goes like this. Hi, Peter, Lisa and Stefan. First of all, I'd like to say I'm so glad your amazing son responds to the treatment you have been managed to get him. I became aware of Stefan throughout Twitter and I wanted to bring this to your attention. There's a bo- British boxer using your son's video to, pr- to promote his CPD oil business 
if you've granted him permission, that's okay. But, so I need to bring up the next screen here, but if you haven't, then I think what he is saying about the CPD oil he is selling over here is extremely dangerous and misleading. Hope your little warrior keeps fighting. Was a heart-wrenching video to watch. All the best. Keep fighting. So the family gets back in response. This is obviously talking about Auntie Fowler here. The family gets back in response to him and says, thanks for the heads up. No one has permission to use our video and I'm particularly irked that people continue to use it to push CBD products when the video is actually highlighting THC. Yeah, THC, yeah. It's the stuff on the leads, isn't it? So, eh... Uh, Tony Fowler, uh, Anthony Fowler again, man. That's a bad one, It's <laughs> a bad one. And people are saying in the chat at the minute we should be renaming this for Bellew of the, of the Week to the Fowler of the Week because... I don't know if... It, is this no stem back to the last... A couple of weeks ago when Fowler, Fowler got called out on this? So it's supposed to be the family getting back to it. But, yeah, Fowler, definitely. But So that's my nominations, mate. Yeah, um, something I was going to just throw in there while it was in my head, not Fowler related, but boxing scene are quite, they're quite on the scene now. They're the major players, you'd say. And um, I noticed Trix Dixon and uh, Ron Lewis are both writing for them now. They got took over, didn't they, by CBS, yeah. the American broadcaster, last summer. So they're obviously pumping money into it and putting out content and getting some quite high profile writers. So Dan Raphael going there. You know, might not be as shocking as you think. So I think CBS is Showtime, isn't it? So you can see Raphael maybe on a big whack. I think show uh, boxing scene, uh, a website that's going places. Anyway, uh, wrapping up, Kelly. Do you have any nominations? Um, my little one doesn't want me to do the nominations. Want to watch movies with me? I'll be in there in a minute. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to nominate Marin Hazy. He did a IFL this week where he surprised, surprised. I uh, mentioned Conor McGregor again, and he was dropping all kinds of retard bombs and everything. All he wanted to watch himself, like, he's already out of favour um, because of the Wilder stuff. Wilder got him kicked off the broadcast, and he's saying some wild stuff like on camera every time he gets the opportunity. So um, he wanted to uh, watch himself. He's, he was, <laughs> it was just a little bit wild. Like, do you want to get over it? Like, as McGregor said to him, get over it. You want to get over it. Like, he's still talking about Conor McGregor sparring session two years later. Like, and you know what came up with the suggested videos underneath it? Two years ago, video. Paulie Malinazzi keeps it real on Conor McGregor. Paulie Malinazzi goes in raw on Conor McGregor. All these videos from two years ago. <laughs> and he's still on about it now. Like, you yeah, fucking let it go. Like, whatever the fuck happened, nobody gives a shit about it. You're the one who keeps talking about it. Absolute banger, like Malinazzi. I mean, even in the sport, he's brilliant at calling the fights, but this fucking behavior with the McGregor thing, like, it's beyond the joke at this stage. Like, MMA fans are so stupid, it's stupid. Like, he has no balls. Like, he's just, he's like a psychotic <laughs> stalker. Like, he's not relaxed. Like, he ain't got no balls, Connor. He got no balls. This is going to be Malinaji's legacy if he's not careful. <laughs> I know, this is it. Like, you forget he was a fucking two time world champion. Wow. Fighter, he was well, held in there against Cotto, broken jaw for 12 rounds. I, I, I had a lot of respect for Malinaji then. He's a strange yeah. character. I don't like the spitting. I think I wish he'd cut out the spitting. Yeah, yeah you want to relax. Like He's going to end up fucking losing his contract like from doing some stupid shit outside. See, bonus though. See, bonus. He doesn't need to worry about his contract in that end of the day. He, he's, see, end of the day, he, he's the type of guy who gets banned. Was it Deontay Wilder don't try to ban him for a broadcast or something well, like that? I can't mean. Because, yeah. because he was, he wasn't towing the party line because he's a guy who's actually made it before he got there 
and actually can say what he wants because he's no actually kind of dependent on that on that gig. So he gives his actual honest opinion like not like everybody else. So uh, I've got a lot of time for Polly actually. But he needs to let that corner shit go. Like yeah, absolutely. As, as the guy who calls the sport, he's second to none. Like he's probably one of the best out there. Like, but he's fucking. What is he on about? We shut up about that. Like we all we get it. Right, McGregor didn't beat you in the spy, Right, fucking let it go. Fucking hell, man. Nobody believed it anyway. Like the fuck you trying to. The fact that he's trying to convince people so hard. All this time later is lead me towards the stage that maybe he fucking had trouble figuring it out and got clocked a couple of times and his pride is super dented because he will not shut the fuck up. <laughs> <Connor McGregor. laughs> oh. Right, yeah, talking of shutting the fuck up, we're gonna have to get out of here soon. At least two panel members are dying for a piss. I can confirm at least two panel members are dying for a piss. I'm not going to say which two. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of them. I've, I've got a long nomination as well. Oh, uh, you could. <laughs> it's one Steve missed out from a couple of weeks back, and I think oh, it sorry. deserves reading. Go um, on. Am I right to say it, yeah? Yeah, of course, yeah. All right, cool. So uh, this was um, one of the comments we got. I'm going on... for a piss of a pack. It's one of the comments we got from Boxing News TV on Wilder is not the biggest puncher of all time, uh, Floyd Mayweather Sr. So Elias Farias wrote, no disrespect to the many gifted and very knowledgeable boxing fans out there. Jonto Wilder cannot be beat legitimately. Jonto Wilder was cheated. Jonto Wilder is the greatest boxer of all time. Jonto Wilder is the hardest hitting boxer of all time. Jonto Wilder had to be stopped before he proved against all odds just that. Jonathan Wilder shocked the jealous boxing community and establishment so much they were forced to collaborate with each other simply to keep from being shown how insignificant they are in comparison. Holding back a talented genius is the one thing our country does for free. All our country, the citizens, the elected officials, the selected politicians, why, 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 you might ask. Fear, that that's the answer, fear. Max Kellerman, Jim Lampley, Larry Merchant, all of the major sports-related corporate interests, cowards, afraid of Jonathan Wilder doing good. They don't want you to do good either simply out of being craven, dastard, re- recreant poltroons. This is a uh, Joseph J language here. <laughs> Teddy, Teddy Atlas was acting like he wanted to fight John Wilder at a pe- press conference. Larry Merchant said if he was 50 years younger, he would kick Floyd Mayweather's backside. See what I mean? John Wilder is a national godsend treasure. And then in, in a shorter nomination from a couple of weeks back, uh, Tyson Fury in response to Drew McIntyre calling him out in the WWE for after his WrestleMania victory. Tyson Fury said, first to say congratulations and what a fantastic job. Secondly, I accept his challenge anytime, any place, anywhere. Linda Friday in response to that put, please hospitalize him, stage safe champion. So those are my two nominations from a couple of weeks back that I put forward for this week. I'll tell you what, I thought you should be finished by the time I got back there. I thought it was never going to finish, so the bubble was nice and frothy. <laughs> there, <you know? laughs> we thought we were going to hear you, Andy, like that scene in Naked Gun when he tasted oh, the mic. I, I was thinking with Steve Stuffer and American Pie, I can taste the bubbles. <laughs> oh, it was tremendous, that by the way. Oh. Some great nominations this week. Absolutely brilliant. Right. Uh, it's only one for me. Uh, I'm not swayed by the Deontay Wilder guy, unfortunately, although it was very eloquently written, uh, read out. I'm going to go for Fowles. It has to be Anthony Fowler for me, Andy. Yeah, it's between him and Gla- uh, Rick Glazier for me, actually. Imagine getting your tax returns put out on Twitter like that <laughs> and absolutely fucking owned. Uh, we think, uh, in fact, there's also a bit said about fucking tax payments and stuff, like, uh, interest payments. But yeah, I think Tony Fowler as well. Um 
He's the only guy, on, he's the only, only boxer on Twitter I've actually got blocked. So anytime I need, he's just going through his comments, I just need to unblock him and go and see it because he just is an, an annoying subhuman species. You know, this is the guy who was like charging people for fucking autographs before he went to the Olympics. Retweets? Retweets. Um, he got iced in the Olympics, which was fantastic to see. Boxing Twitter was united. Scott Fitz does the business as well. We're all fucking rejoicing. But to go on here like fucking, you know, CPD cures, fucking AIDS, fucking dementia, every other illness under under the sun. Tony eh, Tony Fowler will fucking try and sell it. And if you look at his actual Twitter, the news, so it's got Rio 2016 Olympian, Commonwealth gold medalist. Should have been disqualified by he should actually be a silver medalist. Official boxer 12 and 1, 9 kilos of matchroom boxing, USC code Fowler, 50% discount CPD. If you want CPD, gentlemen, go and see Nightingale on Twitter. I'll set I'll set you up far cheaper than Tony Bell, uh, Tony Fowler, and probably better stuff as well. Lee, the alcoholic Futch uh, sums it up quite well. Tony Fowles for multiple offences. I think that's quite a good one. So it's two for Fowles then at the moment. Uh, Ames, who are you going for? As much as I do want to go for Elias Farias, uh, I'll, I'll round it up to three for Anthony Fowler. Did he also do that NHS one from earlier Earlier, you read out? Was that Fowler as well? Yes, that was Fowler as well, yeah. Yeah, coupled with that and the, the THC thing. I think um, it's been a poor week for Anthony. Um, what with quarantine and now a potential belly of the week award. So I'll go with Anthony Fowler as well. Absolutely. A poor week or a strong week, some would say, maybe. If he's going to win belly <laughs> yeah. of the week. Absolutely. Can add that to his Twitter profile. Uh, your pick is irrelevant, Rob. Don't let that hold you back. Who are you going for? That's going to be Malnagy this week. Can't top that. Like, you want to just let that go? How is he still going out about this? Like, Nobody's pulled them up, and they're all having a laugh at him. Like everyone asked him about it, is just setting them up to go on a fifteen-minute Conor McGregor and like so. Well, Nazi this week he deserves it. Like for Fowler, like we're gonna have to, as you said, we're gonna have to have an interim Fowler of the week as well. Like at this stage, because he's the he's the he's the sequel. Like isn't he at this stage? <laughs> he's <laughs> like a newer, fresher version of Bellew, isn't he? Yeah, not as good either. So, um. Won't have half the career that Bellew's had, like whatever you say about him. But uh, and, and there's a lot. Yeah, just leave him alone. But uh, just leave Fowler alone uh, and give it to Malinazi this week. Well, for Malinazi, we're going to give it to Fowler. Why not? CBD kid, uh, good old Fowler getting the belly of the week for episode 369. Well done. We shall get out of here. Solid two hours, 20 minutes there, Andy. No fucks given. No messing about from the boys tonight. Yeah, I mean, we started off talking about, you know, washing down pipes with jets, with pressure washers and... Mould in the bathroom. <laughs> Mould in the bathroom and, you know, we were talking about, you know, we were talking about, you know, who we want to spend or quarantine time with and stuff like that. Oh, my fuck. If if we can manage to keep this up before the next live, the live fight happens, by the way, we'll be doing something amazing, by the way, I swear to God. Absolutely. Thanks to Andy for coming on. Thanks for rapping Rob Kelly. Special thanks to Take Ames as well. He's a good guy, always in the chat, always dipping in and out of the WhatsApps. Do you want to tell the boys where to find you, Ames, if they want to follow you? You have an excellent channel of your own on YouTube, uh, Twitter, all those good things. Yeah, it's just uh, Take Ames, T-A-K-E-A-Y-M-Z on YouTube and Twitter and Instagram if you want to see my pet cat. 
Um, but yeah, just uh, I'll drop a message in the chat, and if you want to check out some of my content, feel free. Appreciate that, Steve, and and you guys as well, Rob and Andy. No problem at all. You're always welcome back anytime. Thank you to you guys in the chat as well. A few familiar faces, Matthew Russell, Jason Chukwu. Hope you get better soon, Mr. Chukwu, Lee the Alcoholic Froch, and too many others to mention. We'll be back here for episode 370, same time, same place next week. I've been Steve Wellings. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.